Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. For this part of our extended BVS coverage, we are delighted to welcome back Bob Chipman to the show. Hello, Bob. Hey, how's it going? We are great. Thank you. We've just moved house. I'm now in my first proper office since back when this show was Digital Cowboys. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. Before, I've, I've been Skyping out of kitchens for years, but now I'm in an office. Very chuffed. So uh, Bob was on a trio of episodes that we've put out over the past three years, which all bear some uncanny relevance to what we're discussing today, including one on angry fan responses. Specifically, I seem to remember we, we cited the whole re reaction to the Green Lantern thing when everyone went, was it Hal's Super Army Soldiers or something like that? Uh, oh, Hal's Emerald Action Team, yeah. Hal's Emerald Action Heat. They brought the heat yeah. to DC. Um, and uh, I mean, this, other things were discussed, including the end of Mass Effect 3 and uh, the reactions to that. But there's been some angry fan responses back and forth uh, over this particular film in the past week. Uh, the second one was the Amazing Spider-Man 2 show, where we all speculated on Sony collaborating with Marvel to reboot yet again. And in the uh, subsequent years, that has come to pass. Uh, then last year, uh, Bob was on our show on the seven most important superhero movies, and hey, it's debatable now that this might maybe be on the list. Even if you hate it, this is going to have an influence, even if, like Batman and Robin, which you brought to the party, Bob, it becomes the apex of a tonal pendulum swing. It just might be like, this was the darkest it got, and then it started swinging back. Or maybe they could go darker. Mm -hmm. Let's see. All of those episodes are fascinating, so once you're done here, go listen to them too. Also with us is Jerome McIntosh of Game Burst, who has appeared on dozens of episodes of our show over the years, always ready with enthusiastic insight. Hello, Jerome. Good day, sir. Hello, Jerome. Okay, so I've just, I haven't got essay material. I have got a bunch of talking points. So I'm just going to throw these out there and I will, I will try to shut up for a bit because I really, I really want to hear what you guys have got to say on this one. So, um, but we're going to start with Bob because we both put out video reviews on the first weekend and you got 10 minutes of just. I mean, I'm an unapologetic proponent of the superhero movie. The genre has yielded enough genuinely great works during its relatively brief run at the pinnacle of international popular culture so as to forgive a lot of its missteps, and I firmly believe that it offers tremendous artistic and cultural value to those who would take advantage of it. Superheroes can make us laugh, give us catharsis, embody our fantasies, challenge our perceptions, and give mythic weight to political metaphor. Sadly, they can also be stupid, ugly, wrong-headed, intellectually offensive, and boring. And sometimes, they can be all that and more. And that's when you wind up with a movie like Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice a malignant, pus-bleeding cancer on the ass of its own genre. I'm trying to work out whether you were angry over this or Pixels. Which, which was it? 
I, I think I was angry over pixels. I was in a pretty dark place in my life when I did the the, the pixels one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it's, I I think that I think when it comes to like the the video reviews and the tone, what a lot of people I I think don't assume when they listen to those is you might not on another day say exactly what you said, but the feeling would be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, on another day in another lifetime, I may not have used, you know, gone the string of profanity route when talking about pixels. Yeah. But, you know, on on the day that, that I did that, that's where I would still say that it sucked and, and that it's there. But there's there is a performative element to mm. a lot of this. And the uh, the one for Batman versus Superman, I can we just call it versus? I'm so sick of, of sounding yeah. out. V- I've been calling it. Yeah, Beavis. That's, well, just that's fine. <laughs> The the whole thing is just so stupid, but the the review for that was I I was angrier at Pixels I think just because Pixels is a worse movie. Mm. I mean, like flat out top down, Pixels is a worse movie. It's ineptly made on on top of everything else. You know, this one is is bad, but it's also hugely disappointing and a drag. Mm. Like I was I was engaged with Pixels because I was actively angry. You know, every minute of that movie, I was I like I was upright, fully conscious in my chair going, I can't believe what's happening. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe this is a movie with this for huge. Like, I think one of the reasons everyone remembers the jar of piss is the movie has been going for a solid hour and nothing interesting has happened. <laughs> and then yeah. that's like, up and go, what? <laughs> and then you go, oh, hey, that, like, I slipped it, into slumberland it, at this point, which is not helped yeah, by the I, fact that there's so many dream sequences. You're like, hang on, What? Yeah, I ooh, there's I I feel like like this is fascinating to discuss now. I really want to I want a time machine so that I can leap ahead two years mm. when everyone's not NDA has gone up. Yeah, yeah. And you know, find out exactly what happened on this movie because there's just no way that everyone who's saying, no, yes, this was absolutely my vision. This is exactly what I wanted this to be in the script phase. This is what I wanted my performance to be. This is what, there's no way that this is not a movie like Batman and Robin that fell apart from an overabundance of studio notes. Meddling, and I believe I coined the phrase for uh, Wild Wild West, it was multi-buggered in that uh, just enough fingers got into it that he was just a mess by the end. I didn't Actually, hasn't Snyder come out and said, you know, a, a year ago there was a film that I wanted to make in, in this and now it is what it is or something like that. Sharon, did you, did you read that? I can't remember what the source was, but uh, there was some indication that he was claiming that his cut mm. was really, really good, but nobody would ever see it. Because that sounds like what Josh Trank said over Fantastic, which we saw today, and is the most pointless superhero movie I've ever seen. I, I, I had never seen it. And then when I finished watching it, I was like, have I seen it? It just, it just felt like a long trailer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, before we lay into it with even more detail, because ultimately, as you, you, you're right, when you, I did mine just after having come back from it, I would imagine you did yours just like within the, a day or so of, of just having come back from it. So it was still raw. Yeah. M- m- like, Maybe now in retrospect, it might slightly might have started to subside, and maybe some of the good stuff would have come to the top. Should we start positive? Is there was there anything that we liked about this film in retrospect? Go for it. Um. <laughs> okay. There's there's one small part. 
I'm assuming we can jump straight into spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. By this point, spoilers, folks. During the whole Batman saving Ma- Martha Kent, that is Martha Kent, right? It is Martha. Everyone's called Martha in this movie. Yes. That situation, apart from him, you know, shooting people. <laughs> Most of that looked like a Batman fight, mm-hmm. where he's jumping around, getting, taking down people, and the whole coming through the wall instead of coming through the door. Mm. I like that. The floor. Then, but then, obviously, right after that, they completely ruin it. That, that's the only thing I can pick out. So you like the Arkham Asylum style fight? Yes. And Somebody played the Arkham Asylum game and thought, let's try and do this, maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, anything else? Sharon, um, you've seen the trailer, so you've pretty much seen the film. Anything you liked about it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm racking my brain. The only after after watching all the trailers, as we said before, um, the only thing I was particularly interested in seeing was how Wonder Woman was handled. Mm. You've seen all the Wonder Woman, pretty much. Yeah, a couple and, of bits at the said party. There's, right? there's not much more of her in the film that wasn't already in the um, yeah. in the trailers. Uh, you, you missed her watching YouTube. And uh, watching some like really really <laughs> early previews. But, wow, that uh, sounds scintillating. Yeah. Um, Someone said like uh, they, um, I think it was We Hate Movies said they, that Batman sends those videos to Wonder Woman's laptop, and just those words, Wonder Woman's laptop. <laughs> it's like Thor's iPod. I mean, I I know she's Diana Prince. She has to be modern with with the times. And I, I'm not a Wonder Woman super fan, so I've really not read anywhere near as much as I should. But Wonder Woman's laptop, hmm. Bob. Go for it. Anything that you remember liking now. Well, you know, yeah, it's the thing is, I think there's actually like there's a lot of individual bits that I like the like I'm thinking about. It's like, yeah, there's actually a lot of like individual things that I like, but they're all bad together Mm. and they're all bad in this movie. You know, like uh, I think Ben Affleck is actually, you know, like theoretically good as Batman. You know, there's, he doesn't have anything interesting to say and he barely has anything interesting to do, which is weird because he's kind of the whole movie, which is another problem. Uh, But the costume looks great. Uh, You know, they really do photograph Batman. Like if this is the Batman you like, the, the Arkham Asylum, you know, like it's the, a xenomorph, but Batman, you know, like jumping out and murdering people and shit. Like if, if that's the Batman you like, this is a, a good version of that. You know, it's probably the best version of that. Uh, I think Zack Snyder and uh, Larry Fong were born to shoot, you know, superheroic action. Not necessarily this version of it, but they are really good. You know, when when everyone shuts up and fights in this movie, it yeah. looks great. <laughs> The reason that they're fighting is stupid. You know, for the most part, the, the design of what they're wearing and the, the, the set design and everything is kind of generic and dog shit. And the, the rationale for what's going on is bad and what they're talking about makes no sense. But it looks really good. Mm. Um, I think the action scenes are like the, the big Batmobile chasing, which seems to exist only as like like a dick measuring thing. It's like you know, oh, you like the the big long Joker chase in uh, in the Dark Knight. Well, watch this. You know, this is like ten times that. And I think that's that's a really good car based action scene, which should never involve Batman, <laughs> but it's a good scene in, into its own right. Uh, I have no idea if Gal Gadot is a good actress. 
because I think I've seen her in three movies now because she's in two of those Fast and Furious movies and this. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if this woman can act. I have no idea if she has a a human personality, you know, that, that is discernible. What I do know is that she looks exactly like Wonder Woman and Zack Snyder, another thing he was born to do was shoot, you know, leggy women against green screen in Halloween costumes doing action stuff. Like he is the he's the Hitchcock of exactly that. Emphasis on the cock. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, oh, I like I, I really like uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Again, nothing interesting to do, but hypothetically, he's interesting. Yeah, I'll agree with you that. Know? I like that Ben Affleck's Batman seems like paradoxically they're doing like the weird thing where his Batman seems like the Batman that's completely consumed the personality and now it's just Batman and all he does is go around Batmaning people. But when he actually plays Bruce Wayne, he seems a little bit like the first three seasons animated series Bruce Wayne, where he's kind of smooth and he functions as a human being and he you know, <laughs> when he pretends to be hitting on women at the party in order to gain information, you get the sense that he would actually do this for fun and that there's a, a life in there and it doesn't work because the rest of the movie is going no he's just Batman everything is bad it's over Robin is dead yeah but uh, <laughs> carry on but yeah I, I, I think he's good and you know uh, Henry Cable I've decided can't act mm-hmm. um, he, he is he seems to have more of a personality when he's allowed to use his, his actual accent because I, I didn't hate that Man From U.N.C.L.E. movie. Mm-hmm. But he seems to not be a very good actor. Good-looking guy. Really handsome. Super cut. Like, I get why they hired him. He looks like Superman. But he really does not seem to be much of an actor. And when they make him sound out his lines in English, he's worse. Yeah. He's not your Michael Fassbender. No, he is not. He, well, Fassbender can't do English either because he always keeps his reg- he he always has his regular accent it's or like some Irish other accent. To it, yeah. I, yeah. I'm Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steve Chalps. I'm Steve Chalps. <laughs> I, I got to mention the score, which I've been listening to, devoid uh, well, divorced from the the movie uh, uh, over the past few days. Uh, to Hans Zimmer. Uh, who I have re- realized is probably my favorite composer uh, over time. That, that, uh, John Williams, I adore. Like James Newton Howard, uh, I adore as well. And uh, James Horner. But Hans Zimmer has just done movie after movie that just seems to have a direct, like one theme in it at least, that has a direct line to my heart. And while I hate the new Batman theme, that. Batman. <laughs> oh god! Um, I love the the Man of Steel um, theme. It's it's wonderful, and it's a promise that was made uh, in uh, 2013 that has still yet to be fulfilled. But you know, let's hope springs eternal. And um, fart rock, though it is, as we hate movies very astutely pointed out, that Wonder Woman. <laughs> It's kick-ass, that, uh, that theme. It's probably going to really start to grate, especially when you actually see the Wonder Woman movie and they're playing it all the time or some variation on it. But, um, yeah, Junkie XL is another guy who, I, you know, after Mad Max Fury Road, 
uh, and also collaborating with Zimmer on Amazing Spider-Man 2, which again, not 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 a good film, but uh, but some 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 great score moments. Uh, Junkie XL is, is a guy to watch. So the, the the music definitely has some some great some great plus points. So there's that. Yeah. Um. Oh, what else is there? Uh, I've put the back costume question mark. I'm just so relieved it's not black again because since 1989 it's been black for all of the buttons and then all of the Schumachers. I think they sort of introduced sort of a metallic-y blue as well, and then um, yeah, you got the all black for Bale uh, again. And just I was like, can we please just get the grey? But it seems like we're never going to get the grey with the underoos, which. I know a lot of people are really relieved that Underoos are gone from DC, but I can't get... Underoos are a little statement that says, guys, no one's going to get their neck snapped in this. <laughs> Superman without Underoos is a serious, serious, miserable, boring guy. Gotta say. Yeah, yeah. Put the pants, sorry, the underpants, back on the outer pants. Yeah, it's... You know, and everyone's always made fun of that design choice for Golden Age superheroes, and yeah. you know, it's you know, fine. It look it looks odd, but it looks odder when it's not there. Skin tight space jumpsuits, basically. Marvel eventually uh, took the like the most modern drawings of Captain America and no longer have him in like the tight pants. They've mm-hmm. basically given him just like blue work pants to wear with his uniform. And they ditched the pirate more, Yeah, which, which is more or less what he has in the movies. You know, he has, okay, I have the body armor up top and then I'm just kind of wearing trunks, which is, okay, fine. You know, but like the DC heroes, they basically just colored in the red or the black part, you know, with, with the rest of the color. And now it just looks like, well, okay, but... Now you're you're literally wearing footed pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> they do look baby growish, don't they? But they must yeah, be it, immensely comfortable. Oh yeah, snug. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 weird. I mean, I I understand why it was there in the first place because it was the aesthetic of the time because they were trying to look like circus strongmen and circus strongmen wore the 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 trunks outside over the tights so that if the tights split because we hadn't invented spandex yet, they wouldn't have their stuff fall out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I get what the point of this is, you know, but it it looks, I don't know, it's one of those things that didn't need to be fixed until it was fixed. But I don't know, I'm, I'm the guy who wants the yellow oval back on the Batman symbol, but these are really minor things. Mm, the yellow S back on Superman's cape at the back. That'd be lovely. Yes. Um, and uh, actually, the, the other thing about Batman's costume is um, when I showed Lyra, my seven-year-old daughter, who was at the time probably about five, The Dark Knight Returns, just the, just the comic, um, I know it's like the uh, wellspring from which all Batman mythology now seems to gush uh, in a depressing way. And we could probably talk about Dark Knight Returns if, if it's really required at some point, because I think we've both raged about Frank Miller over and over again over the years uh, for, you know, for the good things he's done, but also for the... the the massive, massive influence, some of it very toxic. But yeah. the first thing Lyra did was laugh. And she went, oh, my God, it's fat old Batman. And <laughs> it's because the, the, the bat symbol is deformed and it's huge yeah. and it's gross. And it's like, like that kind of works in that really chunky version of Batman back in that comic. But Ben Affleck didn't have to be that jacked in this movie. <laughs> What you said about them looking like shaved apes is absolutely right. When they're put in just regular suits, they're just sort of going, uh, 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 like American gladiators just stalking around the place. And, and Affleck looks 
ridiculous. He just looks so roided up. And like he looks like he's been drawn by one of the detractors of this movie, Rob Liefeld. Rob was like, <laughs> going, oh, man, just like drop it, DC fans. And they were like, oh, this is rich coming from you, Rob Liefeld. But uh, yeah, it, it looks like he's been drawn in the 90s. And what's weird is you didn't need to do that because, and again, this might be just a function of being in in Boston, where sometimes you see Ben Affleck just around. <laughs> you know, just like, well, is what what I think people don't necessarily cue on in movies because they do their best to hide it. Ben Affleck is enormous. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is a gigantic man. Like, it's shocking that, that he got in as an actor because usually they don't want actors to be too tall mm. because they will not line up at eye line with actresses and they like that. It makes shooting easier. Like, that's why so many leading men are diminutive men in real life, like Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, such tiny, tiny men. I immediately and, thought Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, Affleck is, like, six... Two six three. He he's gigantic, mm. and he's he's a pretty you know in shape guy most of the time. And here it's it's like they put him. I understand you know he they want him to look like the Frank Miller Batman, but in live action it looks really bad to have someone who looks like that, and we're still computer animating him to move around like a ninja. It mm. doesn't work. <laughs> the other thing that I was uh, thinking when we like. I mentioned this during my um, first impressions, but I, I really need a visual to show this one. Batman's got his Iron Man suit on, which obviously came from uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Dark Knight Returns, if you will abbreviate it to the same initials. That makes him like super strong and be able to like, sort of take a you know quite a, a pounding, but it doesn't make him Superman's speed. And this yeah. is like, mm-hmm. if if that suit could somehow move him as fast as Superman, just to be able to block the punches, because remember they were doing that Matrix fighting in, in Man of Steel? If they were actually properly martial arts fighting, which is the way Batman tends to fight, and Superman like, right, okay, well, how would you like this in fifth gear? Like that. Th- that suit would break every bone in Batman's body trying to take him too fast. And he would be horrible. He would be liquidated within it. And... Superman is flash fast. So all of that kryptonite got thrown down. But there is a point in the middle of the toilet fight where Superman comes back to something approaching full strength. And then Batman goes, "Uh uh-oh. And then there's a bit more of a beatdown on Batman. But most of that fight is Batman kicking the fuck out of Superman. And (laughs) I know people were like, this is so exciting. But I just, just, oh, God. Why, you little guy? It's all just just an act. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. Yeah. It it was just grim to watch. And I I, I keep being told that Zack Snyder is such an exciting director and that all of his action is supposed to fill us with awe. But most of the time throughout this movie, I was just sat with my head in my hands going, oh. And, And just like my skin was crawling. You know, there are two, like, frame of reference stories for this are the death of Superman, and, mm. spoiler alert, and, <laughs> the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight Returns, both of which are about fights that we're not supposed to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, this, this is, and, like, I am Mr. Number One on reevaluating whether Frank Miller was ever as satirical as people took him as, but 
the the theme of that entire last book in Dark Knight is how the hell has it comes to this? This is tragic. Why are they killing each other? Mm. You know, it's it's a brutal fight scene, but it's staged as this shouldn't be happening. This is a bad thing. This is representative of all the other awful shit that's happened up to this point. This is wrong. And they're pretty much faithfully translating it for this movie, but we're supposed to be, like, excited about it. Yeah. Or maybe we're not. I don't know. The, the, I, I lost track of what the score was trying to tell me at that point. <laughs> it was trying to tell you, man. <laughs> but it, we went back and watched the animated version of that fight after I'd uh, watched the film, and there is an elegance to it. And mm. there is a, 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 a dedication on both the parts of old Bruce and he never really gets old, but the, the Clark in that. Superman doesn't want to kill Batman. He just wants to take him down before he does something terrible. And Batman, Bruce, doesn't want to kill Clark. He just wants to prove a point. And there's something kind of, like, even though it's a fight we're not supposed to enjoy, it's, it does have a, sort of, they know each other going on. It has an emotional weight to it, and obviously there's a, a degree of conflict on the part of both of them. Obviously, these two guys are complete strangers, so it doesn't even have that! I watched a really good video on YouTube today about how um, Batman in this film is actually uh, accessing two completely different parts of his brain to make the decision to take out Superman. There's the logical part of him that's uh, making a calculation of weighing up the rest of the world against Superman. And there's the emotional part of him, which is really, really angry at Superman. But neither of these parts of his brain are conflicted, which makes for a really boring fight on the part of Batman. And Superman's just being manipulated because his mum's in trouble, so it's like his heart's not really in it either. So we're watching two people who really don't want to fight. Fight a fight that we shouldn't want to see and shouldn't be happening, and the marketing is telling us is going to be awesome. And it isn't. Especially as Batman's malice towards Superman actually leads to a measure of more cruelty in his approach, which makes it very one-sided and brutal. As well as the fact that he has to keep using kryptonite, which makes Superman constantly on the back foot. And then there's the rather more unsettling aspect of the fight, which makes it kind of feel like this has been set up purely to feed the bros who want to see the asshole Superman that they've always hated beaten down and hurt and by Batman. Very specifically by Batman, their avatar. The whole subset of Batman culture, which kind of worries me. Like, do you remember that bit with um, Jesse Lexenberg on the roof where Je he goes, hey, I got pictures of your mama. And he sort of throws down these really horrible, like, torture porn pics of poor Martha, like, bound up and as, you know, the worst thing that can ever happen to a bro is for their women folk to be put in danger um, because that is a recurring theme in these. And it just feels like at that point... Superman would make a very quick assessment, burn Lex's head off his shoulders, and then go looking for Martha as fast as he possibly could. Because, well, I mean, um, ultimately, it, otherwise he's being blackmailed into doing something terrible by someone who's going to trick him anyway. See, here's what I don't understand. Now, they seem to establish that Superman has a lowest lane sensor, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, whenever he's in danger, yeah, he can automatically be there whenever he needs to. Why doesn't 
Why doesn't he? Why can't he do that for his mother? You'd think he'd know her heartbeat after hanging around with her for like thirty odd years. And she's normally in the same place, so anytime he notices a move away from, yeah. I don't know, Kansas. Yeah, just Kent Farm and uh, and, and the the uh, pub she works in. But uh, but no, for for plot reasons that oh god, there's so much to unpack of this one. It's not that it's complex; it's just, it's convoluted. There's a difference. <laughs> That's the word. Um. Yeah, but no, it, it really felt like that was a, one of the crux points of the film, that Superman was being manipulated for reasons into this death match that we should be wanting him to be doing, but don't. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a really great anti-action movie where when the action happens, you're like, no, 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 please don't, no. And you don't want the gunfight to start. You don't want the shot to ring out. That's They yeah. should start making more anti-action movies where they've got... Like, spectacular stuff happens, but you don't want it to. This movie seems to be confused. They're like, yeah, you want to see the gladiator match of the decade? That's what um, Lex is talking about. He's, he's talking to us. It's so confused as to whether this should happen, shouldn't happen. and That's why most of these, you know, versus movies up to this point have been where um, situations where both of the people or things fighting are bad guys. Yeah. Yes. Like, if you Many go through it, like, there are... There are very few movies with versus in the title that are not legal films where, you know, like there's a clear good guy and bad guy fighting. You know, King Kong versus Godzilla, Freddy versus Jason, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, Frankenstein versus Dracula, you know. Alien versus Predator, which I prefer right, yeah. to Batman v Superman. As do I. The, the, the premise of these, you know, okay, now you see them fight movies is usually it's just two monsters or it's two bad guys. So, yeah, two people with nothing to lose just going at it. Like these people who they have no limit. So let's just see them fight. Yeah. I keep going back to the fact that I really want it to be two years from now because I want to, I want to know whether or not Zack Snyder actually wanted to make this movie because I get the sense that he did not. Hmm. And who put in the I, V as well? Whose bright idea was it that it has? They have to fight like like the centerpiece is them fighting to what feels like to the death. That feels like that the the V honestly is was the first thing when I saw that come up. For some reason, it clicked in my head that uh oh, this feels like the studio is back in control because I've seen studio notes and I've like I've I have literally been they. I've been watching Warner Brothers try to make this movie as a fan of this stuff since, yeah, it has been so long that there is news footage, and I wish I could find it again, of a still-living Christopher Reeve making fun of the premise of this movie when it was first announced. <laughs> like, like, that's how long they've been at this. Wow. It's like since the end of Bat- pretty much since the end of Batman and Robin, Warner Brothers has been saying, you know what, we should do another Superman, and then alternately we should do Batman versus Superman. Yeah. And the the V in this, especially the explanation for it, where it's like, well, you know, we wanted it to look special. We want you know, which was like Snyder's version. And Zack Snyder is not a great interview. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm, you know, he he knows how to talk. He seems like a sharp guy. I still like him as a filmmaker. I think he's interesting. But you know, I've watched like raw footage of interview with him, and he's one of those guys. Who, he's one of those guys who's not a great speaker. Yeah. No. Tim Burton very much the same way. If you want to torture yourself, let, listen to Tim Burton audio commentaries. I was oh, gonna yeah. say if you've ever listened to him like on Batman or Beetlejuice, he just make 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 make, and you're like, oh, I, this film is so sparky. How could you be like this? 
some people aren't talkers. Yeah, and, that's understandable. You know, he's, 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 and, his talents lie elsewhere. And I, I kind of figured, okay, when, when Snyder is explaining, you know, when people ask us, you know, what's with the V, it was, well, we wanted it to be special, we wanted it to be distinct. That sounds to me an awful lot like someone in in the room, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when this is getting put together, that at some point, someone with the ability to make a decision at Warner Brothers said, you know, Versus makes it look like one of those Godzilla things. Or, you know, Versus makes it look stupid. You know, so find something else to call it, and then they stick a V in there. It's it's very akin to video game titling, mm-hmm. you know, where it, you can't just call it, you know, like Gears of War 3. It has to be, you know, Gears of War X.5 to the third, Final Conflict Beginnings. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's very much that where, you know, or like... Uh, I, th- I think now the big thing is in video games, they call it, uh, instead of versus, it's like something X. Something, it's like Street Fighter X Tekken. Again. Because they're, they're trying to make it look like it's in the original Japanese. It, it, feels like a, it feels like a marketing note that that will, make it, that will make it stand out. That it's not just Batman versus Superman. Because that sounds like Freddy versus Jason. How lame is that, huh? Like, that's the problem. It'll that's what it feels like. Fact. A V to the audience. That's a British thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it it feels very. The whole movie feels to me like a lot of studio notes, mm-hmm. and you know, with with Zack Snyder still trying to put his stamp on it to some degree. But a lot of things like so, like Spider Man Three. Then so it's like, well, we gotta have Wonder Woman in there. Well, we gotta have the Justice League in there. Well, we gotta have Lex in there, and we, you know. You theorized that the Joker was going to be in there originally, and I've seen the Riddler as well, and they kind of seem to have combined all three into this Lexi Jr. version. Oh, Lexi, you're so sexy. Eat it, eat it. It's cherry flavored. Which would have, which like when they like this movie's already overstuffed, but when they said that like oh the Riddler was originally going to be in this movie. You know, that, I don't know. It, it feels like it made sense because there's a whole lot of, you know, like like Luther's plan is not really a Lex Luther plan. You know, Le- yeah. like Lex Luther plans are usually, you know, hey, I have got a benefit. Bunch. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and and they're also usually pretty straightforward, right? Like like, and again, I'm. I, I hate getting hung up on like you know comic book minutia and you know source material because I really do think the main problems with this movie are just basic bad filmmaking, bad writing, bad directing, scenes that don't make sense, dialogue that doesn't work. You know all of the the fan service could have still been cooking on this one. It could have looked like an Alex Ross painting over George Perez ink come to life, and it still would have been shit because the the elements are bad. Yeah, but. Like, a Lex Luthor plan is typically, hey, I've got a bunch of money. Here's a thing that hurts Superman that I can afford. Mm. That's basically it. Whereas this one, there's this whole, like, looping gambit of different things that he's doing. With two or three other bad guys in there getting, like, subcontracted out, that would make a certain amount of sense. Especially since he seems to have figured out who Bruce Wayne is, but not done anything with that information. 
wouldn't it have been better if he and Bruce Wayne had been contemporaries and if uh, Lex himself had been played by an older, more experienced actor, someone like, I don't know, Brian Cranston, and he and Bruce had done a lot of talking about Superman, and then you could see what Batman feels about Superman through Bruce, through a lot of human interaction there. And Bruce actually trusted Lex to a degree, and that's how Lex comes out by basically setting up that fight. Yeah, that's what's right here. Yeah, that, that's much better, and that, that seems like... The the first thing that you would go to is okay. We got to figure out how this movie works. Okay, we got one bad guy. He's a super rich guy. Hey, one of our other good guys is a super rich guy. Maybe they know each other. Yeah, they'd be contemporaries. They're, 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 of course they would. But um, Lex himself by Eisenberg is one of the worst things in the movie for me. He is mm. astonishingly bad. And I seem to remember like the like early previews. People were like, oh, everyone's talking about Eisenberg. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I think people like. He's so annoying. He's like the guy in class who keeps saying stupid things and poking you. And you just, you want to swat him away. You don't like, he's not a villain. He's just a dick. See, here's the thing. My view of Lex, Lex Luthor is a man who's in control and he's charismatic. Like, yeah. that's, that's, he's got money, he's charismatic, and he can convince you to do things that you and don't get, want to. Yeah, and when he gets out of control, that's when it's scary. Like, this Lex Luthor, you, you, like, how he breaks down in his speech, like, you mean nobody's picked up on this? Like, this guy who's sticking sweets into government officials' mouths when he's talking to them? Like, nobody thinks that's a bit weird? I asked myself, like, I, I said in the, the, the first impressions, how is he allowed to just behave like that? Oh, he's, he's, he's very, very rich, so it's okay, it's fine. Everyone just puts up with him. Holly Hunter... Like a bit, like she was in the room. She was like, "Okay, that's not how we do things in Kentucky." Uh, by the way, listen to the We Hate Movies review of this just for them go riffing on Holly Hunter's accent. It's incredible. <laughs> You're not going to get that access that you were asking for because I couldn't trust you as far as I could fucking throw you. And she's like, <laughs> "Don't tell me that. Don't tell me piss is uh, Granny's peach tea, all right? Because I ain't going to drink it. That's for one goddamn thing." And that's like almost a direct quote. <laughs> that was almost a soundbite from the movie. So put that in your back pocket. Also, the, that scene's weird because, like, he's the way sex with her a little the bit. The way Eisenberg is playing it is he's kind of trying to get an angle on the situation, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, not in this movie, man. Come on, now. You need to help taking my bra off. <laughs> <laughs> is this your first time, Lex? Um, but it seemed honestly like Holly Hunter herself was just amazed that he was performing like this. And she's staring at him in a kind of, seriously? Kind of are, we, are we doing this now? <laughs> this, this, Wait, this is the character? This is what you brought to the table, kid? <laughs> but, He's very quintessentially what, what seems to be wrong with the movie, which is for, for something they spent 20 years trying to make, mm-hmm. and then three years actually shooting, is they, they delayed this a year. Yeah. You know, when they first announced this at Comic-Con, they said, this will be out next year. And then a year later, they went, you know what? We need more time. This is, this is we, we need more time to get this shit right. And uh, for, for something that's long, so much of it seems to have been put together as an afterthought mm. and a very sloppy production. And I mean, like, like they, we now, have we, have we all read, seen the thing where, where it's not, because, like, every week now has been a new Zack Snyder explains a thing that doesn't make sense about this movie. Yes. Yeah, and and ha- have we seen the thing where he, he explains how Jesse Eisenberg wound up playing Lex Luthor? No. What was that? I haven't read that one yet. Uh, well, um, th- well, this will be a spoiler for the R-rated cut of the movie. No, but, uh, go for it at, for us. 
at the beginning of the movie when they were doing this this stupid Superman Benghazi thing, uh. where where Superman accidentally causes an international incident in North Africa, rescuing mm-hmm. Lois Lane. The context is Lois Lane goes into an African warlord's village, and she has a photographer with her who turns out to be a CIA spook in addition to being a photographer and gets shot in the face and things go to hell. And Superman shows up and saves Lois Lane, but a bunch of Lex Luthor's goons are also hiding out, also undercover with the CIA, and massacre the village, and somehow everyone blames Superman for people getting shot by bullets. That's the simplest way of explaining it. I was, I've seen it, and I'm still confused. <laughs> Wasn't there also, like, the, 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 the whole thing hung upon the idea of a bullet that Superman was running around with a gun shooting people or something? Did that actually enter no, part no. of the bullet? No, um, no. Lois Lane just, she kept one of the bullets, and it, right. it's not a normal bullet. It's a special prototype bullet. Special bullet. Well, I, the, the idea is supposed to be that, you know, Lex told his guys to shoot everyone yeah. in order to make it look like Superman made everything go out of control. Like, I, I guess the idea might be, why did Superman save one person but not get in the way of all of these bullets? Mm-hmm. Which is weird because that's still a question I have, regardless of who set it up. Yep, Bingo. Yeah, no, his, like, his obsession with Lois Lane, Sharon and I worked this out while we were watching the trailer again the other day. If he's listening to her heartbeat all the time, he's following her around all the time. He's making, obviously, he's saving her ass. Um, but he's, you know, he's living with her and he's obsessed with her and he's pretty much, you know, he's just always there. And yeah. he's got that sort of like weird, like dead eyed expression and he's following her around. He's Christian Grey. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's pretty good. And then suddenly the Man of Steel becomes a living creep. And I don't want to know, I don't want to be in this world anymore. <laughs> I want to this just like was, go right. That was an Elseworlds. So we we'll go to the real one. <laughs> it's another one of those things that didn't need fixing. Originally, Superman always knew where Lois and Jimmy were because they both carried these little transmitters that oh, would yeah. send out like a dog whistle sound that would make Superman come. And then someone decided that's dumb, so it became well. He can just hear everyone on the planet all the time and pays attention to these two people specifically. <laughs> Expect those in the next film, by the way, because they decided that's dumb about Kryptonite in that first movie, and uh, yeah. then they used used kryptonite anyway because it's like kryptonian atmosphere it's the same thing and yeah. then they brought in the green rock in this one because everyone knows about kryptonite but they stopped to explain it uh, well we we still haven't talked about the very beginning of this film oh god do we have to talk about every minute because this is torture <laughs> yeah, I mean, i'm sorry I, I i nailed us off track because of explaining that the, the no, no, it's fine. Yeah, the, the sorry talk- no, hang on before you before we go in yeah bob you were talking about the whole beginning bit Right, oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, Benghazi. The photographer who gets shot, if you look in the credits, his name is Jimmy Olsen. Well, bye-bye, Jimmy. Oh. Wasn't yeah. there a Jenny Olsen as well? The, the, the there one who there was. Crushed? In, in Man of Steel, they, yeah. they, they wanted, and it turned out to be a stupid thing anyway because it's a two-minute part, mm. you know, that, that the people from the Daily Planet show up at the end of the movie. But the woman named Jenny was supposed to, was in the script for Man of Steel, was Jenny Olsen, and it was, okay, Jenny Olsen is now Jenny, aren't we being inclusive? Fine by me. Mm. Fans had a cow, as they are wont to do. Gender flipping! (laughs) And so, at the beginning of this one, hey, there is a Jimmy Olsen and he gets shot. And according to Zack Snyder, what he wanted to do was he wanted to cast a really well-known actor as Jimmy Olsen and have all the blogs and everything report, hey, Jimmy 
is in the movie and then kill Jimmy Olsen in the first five minutes of the movie. Basically, he says to raise the stakes, it feels a lot more to me like to say, oh, you guys wanted Jimmy Olsen? Fuck you. Here's Jimmy Olsen. He's dead. Screw you. You know, don't talk bad about my creative choices. And Jesse Eisenberg would have been a good Jimmy Olsen? And and he would have been Jimmy Olsen. And that's what he, he had him in to read for Jimmy Olsen and spent five minutes with... Okay, at this point, we actually lost Bob for just a moment. So we started talking off track about Scoot McNary, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy in the, in the wheelchair. Yeah. He's just, like totally consumed with hatred for Superman. Um, you know, just conveniently ignoring all of that, you know, saving people that he's yeah. doing. He's like, oh, he's a false god. And some, somehow, Lex Luthor has been intercepting all of his checks. Yeah. And the fact that for nearly, is it 18 months? 18 months since the incident? About that, yeah. Like, nobody decided to say, hey... This guy keeps sending back. Like it's like what we hate movies said. Yeah. This this man's sending back these checks and he's threatening <laughs> our boss with them. Let's not set, let's not bring these to him. He, <laughs> let's not bother the boss with them. Mm. He wouldn't want to know. It's not like it's a dangerous world out there. You let them die. Ooh. He's like scrawling it in what appears to be lipstick as well. <laughs> like imagine your the pers- the bursar working in finances, and you get those checks through the ma- you know back through through the mail with you let them die on there. It's like let's just keep I'm, this. I'm back. Hello, Bob. I'm I'm, I'm, su- I'm super super sorry. It um, that was actually on my end. The internet went out. Oh okay. Well, I'm just really really glad it came back. Um, yeah. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I hope it's I- not. Don't apologize. No, it's, no. Completely understand. Um, right, so hang on. There was was there an end to the Benghazi thing? Because uh, yeah, well, we were... the, end, the end to that was that they... oh, it was Jesse Eisenberg. He, he he talked to Jesse Eisenberg for five minutes and was like, "Say, yeah, and... here's my Lex Luthor." Hey, <laughs> what, you don't what care he... about this either. <laughs> what he claims to have said is that he went back to his wife, who Deborah Snyder, who is like the oh, the silent nice. partner on all of these movies. Like she yeah. seems to be the, the the brains of the operation, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, like on the business side. Yeah. And of like Zack Snyder Incorporated, yeah. and Big said like it, on Sucker Punch as well. Yeah, his her, his description of his exact words were, "This guy's insane. How about him for Lex?" <sighs> be, because they'd been having every actor in the industry come in to read to be the new Lex Luthor, including Brian Cranston, who's now everyone's. Oh, it should have been him. That's awesome because he was on TV. I'm sorry I cited Brian Cranston. I just I was picking like someone that everyone would have gone. Yeah, totally. I, he wouldn't have been my first choice. Actually, Clancy Brown would have been my first choice. He's like 72 now, but shave that guy's head, and I reckon yeah. he could do it. It's... I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's... that would be good. Actually, yeah, Superman turns up and he goes, ah. "Sorry, <laughs> carry on." Yeah, you know, it's I. I can I can see where they where they would have eventually thought Eisenberg was a good idea because. You know they always try. They always they always overthink Lex Luthor in general mm-hmm. because there's really no set idea of what he is from the comics other than he's a guy who doesn't like Superman and has no hair. Yeah, that, that's really kind of it. He started out as generic mad scientist <laughs> slash inventor slash whatever. Then they made him a businessman in the '80s, and that kind of stuck. But he really is just a guy who doesn't like Superman, and. 
So I can see where they looked at this and said, oh, hey, yeah, we'll make him, you know, one of those really irritating millennial tech billionaire guys. That'll work. But yeah. it's a real bad version of that. Yeah, in theory, that makes sense. But it's not supposed to be clinically insane. Yeah, or, or like visibly so. You know, this, this yeah. is not a guy who could get people to side with him on anything. You know, this is... Like, it would have been the most obvious thing in the world would have been to do, oh, Lex Luthor is Steve Jobs. Mm, you know, yeah. you know, both bald, super charismatic megalomaniacs. Okay, great. Hey, works. But, uh, you know, and it would work for me because I'm completely unromantic about Steve Jobs. And, uh, you know, that would have been fine. But here it's it's such a weird decision. And it doesn't... I don't want to lay it all on Eisenberg because the script is so bad, what is he supposed to do with it? You know, it? Like, it's not his fault that Lex Luthor goes from, well, I'm afraid of aliens. Well, actually, my dad was abusive, so I have a problem with authority. Well, actually, I'm an atheist, and Superman is a god, and I'm kind of wigged out about that. Oh, actually, no, I've somehow made psychic contact with Darkseid. He does seem um, sort of very Edward Nigma from um, Batman Forever, which in that context, he found it very, very difficult to get people to go along with his madcap plans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, it sounds like, it makes more sense that he would play a Riddler, you know, somebody who's too smart for his own good and just does not come across as stable. That's why he's ostracized. I would love Whereas, to see him playing, yeah, a, a reined in, exactly as you're saying, a reined in Riddler, just like written so that he's very cold and very kind of um, superior about things. Mm. That, that would, I think that would work. But, you know, he, his, his madcap thing, uh, for a start, it's not the least bit threatening. Like, every single, like, you, there's no reason why Batman and Superman wouldn't just twat him immediately. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, it feels a little bit threatening when you do it, but I can imagine it wouldn't when Jesse Eisenberg does it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, ugh, it, it's, it's a bad decision. And the fact that it was, it was, it was, we now know, was made on the fly. Yeah. Oh. He was like, hey, this will be an interesting idea. It really, I get the sense that Zack Snyder doesn't really want to be doing this and is kind of trying to. He may get his make, wish. I, I think he's kind of trying to make his own thing within a thing he doesn't want to do. I mean, he, real talk, he owes Warner Brothers a lot mm-hmm. for basically letting him waste their money on Sucker Punch. <laughs> you know, it was never going to make them any money. It was never going to be a huge hit. It was probably always going to get bad reviews, but they wanted him on the hook to direct big tent poles for them. And so they went in on Sucker Punch, and now he owes them apparently, you know, 10 years of his life making DC movies. It sounds like Warner Brothers is a better Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a Lex Luthor plot. Sorry, continue. No, no, it's that. that's kind of, it's, they're a strange studio because they're known as being very filmmaker-friendly but mainly because they want these certain filmmakers to come and make these big movies for them. And they, their handling of the superhero stuff is always very strange. And looking at this one, it's clear that they have learned nothing. That, that they've been through 
destroying superhero movies for, you know, several years with Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which seems like such a better movie now. <laughs> we already did this podcast. It's got more laughs. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that it's, I long for the quaint days when, like, the subplot of, of a major superhero movie could literally be, well, Batman and Robin both like a girl, and it's kind of <laughs> with their friendship. Sorry, Ivy. <laughs> But rubber lips are immune to your charms. Yeah. It's like, it's the dumbest <laughs> thing. But I, you know, I, I look back at that movie and they're saying, you know, it's like, you know, the, this one is so much more grown up. And I'm thinking, you know, the buried themes in Batman and Robin are that Batman is, you know, needs to get over his duality. And, you know, that Robin needs to, you know, get past his, you know, like male insecurity and Poison Ivy is getting in between these two guys and it's fucking up their friendship and all of the stuff with like Schwarzenegger's dead wife. It sounds like so much more of a grown up movie than this one, which, you know, where Lex Luthor tricks Batman and Superman into punching each other. And in case that doesn't work, also monster. (laughs) (laughs) Who is basically as articulate as Bane in Batman and Robin. It's like, yeah, that's... I mean, Your basic Frankenstein. Like, cr- credit to Zack Snyder for this. They, they found a way to make Doomsday less interesting. Wow. No. Hands together for that. <laughs> like, a, a monster who only exists to be stronger than Superman and new, so no one will question why this bad guy didn't do it before. So Abomination in The Incredible Hulk is a better doomsday than the doomsday in this. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love that fight. Um, right. I've got a big old list of talking points, and we have spilled sideways off of that. So, okay, a lot of the straw man arguments I've read um, are, uh, that are pro this movie and against the detractors uh, are centered around fans who are angry at this not being their Batman and Superman, which is explainable as this being a version of the characters and thus just as relevant as every other adaptation. As in like, well, just because it's not the comic version doesn't mean that Batman doesn't kill in this universe. This is a version of Batman. It's just as valid. Does this scan and are we missing a very valid point here or are we in fact angry, not so much over comic inaccuracy as just horrible baseline world building? The latter. Next question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much the latter for me as well. I actually wouldn't mind if they... Like, you, you ever heard the uh, breakdown on the Darren Aronofsky Batman? No, oh, yeah. I, I won't repeat it here, but just go check it on Wikipedia. It's batshit mental. I, w- I, I don't mind watching weird, unusual versions of Batman, Superman, etc., but wouldn't it have been a good idea to get a base... Like a, a version of Superman that everyone knows first... And then do your weird Elseworlds dark Superman after that. There's like there's rumblings about Justice League Dark. How much darker can you get? See, here's the thing. For me, it's a bit different because I actually grew up on the cartoons instead of the comics. Of course. Like for both Marvel and DC. And so even in that issue, there have been different adaptations of each character that I've seen, like with Under the Red Hood is uh, Joker is different from the animated series Joker. So Amazing. for me, that's that's not an issue. I'm fine with a different representation. They can change all, all they want. It's just there needs to be some sort of through line. Like you have to understand what they're like, what they're about, what their motivations are. Like you can you want to watch and see. I I understand why this person's doing this. Yeah, and that's what that's what this this movie series is completely missing. 
Yeah, perfect example to the Nolan Batmans. I don't like that Batman really much at all. I, yeah. I actually think he's a bit of a prick, but it's a solidly thought out Batman of like, well, how could we make him as realistic as possible? That would not be my Batman, but I really respect a specific, that second movie is so good. But um, it, it's, it's not just that it's, it's different from the uh, uh, Conroy Batman. It's that what they put in its place is so alarming on so many different levels that it, 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 it just flicks all of my buttons to off. That's, that's my take on it. Um, so, yeah, I, I welcome different versions of the DC universe, but it would have been smart, I believe. So you know how they're bringing in your, your standard – like, Bob, you and I had that bet as to whether they would go for, say, Miles Morales and, like, like go a completely different Spider-Man for the first Marvel Spidey. And you were like, nah, they're going to go for Silver Age Pete, and they've done exactly that because that's the baseline. They can then riff on that later on down the line. And it just seems like they've taken so long to actually get a Justice League together. Would it not be an idea to get together your classic Justice League first? It's complicated because, you know, it's it's very easy to say that, well, if you're adapting something, you're adapting it and any amount of changes you want to make is is fine. But you know, to, to do the hackiest thing possible and use a food metaphor here, eventually a pizza is no longer a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's more pasta now than pizza. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's there's a point at which the pizza, the the the, the dish gets so deep and the crust gets so uh, soft that it's now a lasagna. Yeah. Or you've put so much salad on it, it's you're going through a greengrocer's. Right. Right. It's like so. There's you know like. If I knock the back off my chair, it's no longer a chair; it's a stool or possibly a table. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a point at which you can, you can. These things will bend really far, but they can break. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know that this breaks them, but it's it's just a bad adaptation. And even if this was like, okay, this is not my Superman, not my Batman would be basically forgivable. I mean, the, the, the Tim Burton Batman changes the origin, you know, has him, if not killing people, at least being really cavalier about it, mm. because he does shoot at the Joker with a machine gun, he just misses. Mm. You'll forget that in that movie, he flies his jet plane down the street and yep, opens yep. fire on the Joker with two, you know, machine guns, and he just misses. What's his intention? Is, is, is it that Joker's supposed to go, oh, God, he's actually shooting at me. I, I surrender. Yeah, well, and even if not, he has machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> on, on These the are my bat machine guns. It's, oh. it's not like they have more than one use. There's Side only that. one thing that that does. <laughs> the, these high, uh, these fire t- tranquilizer rounds? See, yeah. that doesn't hold up, seeing as the speed that's firing, it's still going to kill you. Yeah, yeah right. It, well, it, there's, a, there's a lot of that, though. Like, in this one, you know, that, like, uh, even, like, you know, Zack Snyder will put out, well, you know, he doesn't directly kill anyone. And, <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, and he doesn't. Like, uh, he he picks up his, he has his gun, but his gun doesn't shoot bullets. It shoots, like, anti-Superman stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And also, when he's saving Martha at the, uh, Christ, at the end of the movie, he's, uh, he grabs another guy and jerks his arm so that guy shoots the gun. Yeah, it's, I'm it's pretty his... sure that still counts. A yes. lot of the, the its fans are like, "Yeah, well, the, he kills him in the Burton. He kills clowns in the Burton Batman films, and he throws that guy totally down a, a church." Yes, 
that's two wrongs. At what point are yeah. we going to reach a right? Yeah, it, it's... That's you Tim know, Burton it, not having a handle on Batman. We need a director and a writer with a handle on Batman. And I I don't have, like, my, like I don't have a moral issue with Batman killing people because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but Batman's not real. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, 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 I don't need him brought up on charges for anything. I, like, I... I think the whole Batman doesn't kill thing. It's nice to have that as like the moral center. Like this is what makes DC different from Marvel is our guys don't kill people. Whereas Marvel characters kill people all the fucking time, which is true. I mean, Captain America casually murders like seven different, uh, you know, Hydra mercenaries in oh, the yeah. Yeah. alone, you know, which, which is fine. Cause that's Captain America. It's world war two. It's, it's, it's what it is. The Batman doesn't kill people thing. I think needs to be there structurally because if Batman doesn't kill people, then it it's okay that the villains are still running around out there. If Batman yes. does kill people, and the, these stories are made for nine-year-olds. Yeah. And they have things set up to make them happen. You know, Batman doesn't kill people because if he does, the bad guys would be dead after one issue and you'd need to invent more bad guys and no one could ever use the Joker again. Exactly. So, so, so the solution to that is Batman doesn't kill people. Now, if you want to change that for the movies, because in the movies you don't need to have the Joker come back three times a year because you're only going to make this movie once every three years, okay, then let's have Batman kill people. But in this one, it's it doesn't make any sense in the structure of the movie. You know, because they have this whole runner where, well, he doesn't kill people, but he puts a mark on guys, which for some reason gets them killed in prison. He brands them. And I don't know what that's supposed to be. Like, I, I understand the context of it. It's like, okay, that's a, a very gritty, realish Zack Snyder kind of touch to this of, oh, yeah, the hero is going to brand the bad guys so that then they get killed in prison. Why do they get killed in prison? By people who Batman probably put away. Right, but, but do the other Batman people, like, <laughs> is, is, the, is Gotham City prison filled with really hardcore lifers? who think Batman is awesome and therefore they kill them. It's for the bros. See, in my, in my mind, getting the Bat brand looks like join the fucking club. Like 90% oh yeah, of us are in here because of Batman. There's two possibilities here. One is that for some reason, prisoners in Gotham City prisons are, well, three, they are either really big Batman fans, which makes no sense, <laughs> Batman is those punks funneling like money returns. into prisons to get these people killed, which makes him just awful. It makes him Lex yes. Luthor. He, right. He's a, yeah. Or these people who are in prison are afraid that if they don't kill people, Batman will find out about them and be bad to them when they come out. Alternately, it's just something cool. David Goya thought up. Zack Snyder said, yeah, man, that's cool. And then nobody checked them on it. That's probably That's probably it. Although the the brand, this is another reason why I know that this is a wonderful thing. That brand thing is from the Darren Aronofsky script. Oh, nice. Uh, that was in the, in the Aronofsky script. Bruce Wayne doesn't know he's Bruce Wayne. Gotcha. He's he's like been raised feral because he ran away after the parents got. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. But it has Thomas Wayne's signet ring, which has a T inside of a W, and he's punching people with that. And it's leaving an impression, and people look at the impression and say, that looks kind of like a bat, and that's how he becomes Batman. Yeah. 
See, uh, so for, for one-off oddball movies, that actually sounds like I kind of like to see that just for, for crazy kicks. They should but, turn that, that. They should turn it into a comic. Yeah, yeah. Miller well, they, would do it. It's his script. Yeah. But the um, but like when they're actually world building here, they are setting the foundations of their universe. They really need. Well, basically, here is the problem a lot of I think Bat fans have had who don't like this version of Batman. He's the kind of guy that the Conroy Batman in the animated series would be trying to bring in. Yeah, he's he's the Red Hood. He's the one killing. Uh, uh, Jason's out there. He's he's you know trying to take control of Gotham City through fear and murdering to do so. Here's the thing. It feels like there was a part missing from this movie where they explained why Batman now kills. Yeah. It seems to be related to the Joker. It seems to be the ha-ha jokes on you, the burned Robin outfit. And it feels like at that stage, Joker shot Barbara Gordon in the spine because that's so edgy and then either beat Jason Todd to death or, more interestingly, drove jason todd insane like they did in uh the batman beyond movie and um made him basically a protege joker and uh it basically i say basically way too often and as a result batman killed the joker at that point that was the time he crossed the line and Mm. then the jason todd joker went off and became you know suicide squad jason and i'm just gonna hurt you real bad and i <laughs> and I'll tell you how much I don't want to see that movie. You know that um, movie looks so much better now, though. I, I think. <laughs> just, just like from me, like I've been psyched for that movie no matter what because I love David Ayer, mm-hmm. and I, I, I really like. I am, t- I'm totally fine with with the the DC movies breaking the toys a little. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm okay with this. You know, I, you know, I can understand how like super, super hardcore DC fans who want to see you know, things that are as kind of preserved in amber as the Marvel stuff sometimes is. I get that. That's fine. I'm okay with if Warner Brothers wants an air brand to be, hey, we're we're doing the bug nuts crazy version of this. You know, and Suicide Squad looks like that. It also looks like especially now that I know they're tr- they're recutting it to be yeah, like they bought extra trailer. jokes to add. <laughs> yeah. To, to to do that, that looks like a much more fun movie than this. Mm. Oh god, yeah. I mean, if it's got a joke, then it's going to be more of a fun movie. Than yeah, it is. It, it, it's not too bad if you break the toys. Just have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Right. So go back to the whole Batman kills thing. It feels like at some point Bruce should have had a conversation with Alfred, going, you know, it's not been the same since you started. Well, you're slightly more, shall we say, lax. Uh, arrangement with the Grim Reaper the idea that Batman at this point now doesn't care whether he kills he doesn't go out of his way but he doesn't try not to and that could have been see I saw a really impassioned um, video about this where the guy who loved this like he cried when it got to the Martha and Martha bit because that made a huge difference to him. And, it, and as far as he was concerned, this was broken superheroes. Like everyone's saying, this isn't my Batman, this isn't my Superman. They're right. This is them becoming the Batman and Superman that we love. And that, that by the end, that we're given that hope and that that will then lead on to brighter things. It's awfully optimistic and it is entirely dependent on future movies to actually prove him right on this. I really hope he's right. But that would make sense if this Batman was the one who had been derailed and that the killing people suddenly became an actually, no, this is where I really went wrong and this is where I have to stop and this is where I have to preserve life. And that was his arc for this movie. And my God, that sounds so much stronger than what actually happened. 
I feel like that's the stuff with uh, I think it's it's Jenna Malone who was cut from the movie. Yeah. Uh, so she'd have been the uh, um, paralyzed Barbara Gordon, yeah? That's what people are assuming. No one has seen any photos, and she's not talking. But the assumption is, is, that, she's bar- is that she's wheelchair Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And, which makes a certain amount of sense, especially since Alfred pretty much functions as Oracle in this movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, like to a degree that Alfred typically doesn't in these things. So I, I wonder – I, I want to know what happened here. Because I strongly suspect that this was a project that made a certain amount of sense at one point. And you can see the people who love this movie are putting in they're like the stuff that they're latching on to, like you said with the guy, is stuff that's in the it's in the DNA, but it's not up there on screen. Do you think there's much more that we could expect from the three hour R rated cut? Some people have put their hope in that. I think it's gonna make a lot more sense plot wise and it'll yeah. still be a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I thought we could get a, a, a two-hour conversation out of that, but I think two seconds will do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, Superman's also in this movie, by the way. Yeah, we, we should and possibly could talk about Superman. It feels like a Batman movie where the villain is Superman. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, he's basically Jesus. And people are saying that this is the Superman that we, we want to see. And, and, you know, when he's he comes in at the end and the specificity of the um, the, the kryptonite spear of Longinus Lee. being pulled out of his side. And We Hate Movies pointed out that they've got the mother and Wonder Woman there as Mary Magdalene. Ish. You, you notice how they managed to do a second Christ air in space? Yeah. First time he literally does the cross. This time he's sacrificing himself for all of our sins. I, I doubly hated that bit because uh, it was riffing on the Iron Giant. I don't even know if J- Zack Snyder's ever seen that movie or got that movie. But at the point when the missile comes towards him, Superman should have gone Superman. <laughs> but he didn't because that's a brilliant movie, as I've said many, many times. Superman's also not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> See his. How many people keep getting this fucking wrong? Maybe when he's reborn, that'll be it. And like he'll be born on the, reborn on the Sabbath, and then we just forget the whole Christ thing. I See, mean, here's the thing. Um, it's fine if you. He's not Jesus. <laughs> it, it's fine if you want to like have that part be like the big debate on your movie. Like people are literally thinking this might be the second coming or viewing him as a god figure. Mm. But you can do that when you're not actually making him look like Christ in your movie. <laughs> like, it's fine if you want to say people are viewing him this way, but you're not supposed to do it yourself. Roided up super Christ. And you don't have to have him being, you know, this, this, this is a very white dude from L.A. like depiction of people seeing someone as Jesus is to show him mm. being fawned over by Mexicans. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that was so uncomfortable. That was because, their Skeletor is great parade. Not yeah. even worse though. Like normally, like if you see a firefighter save someone from a fire and hand the family over to, like hand, hand the child or the family member over to their family, mm-hmm. they smile at them mm-hmm. like a little bit of reassurance. Thank like, you. Yeah, uh-huh. they thank you or they smile reassuringly at the family. Like yeah. Superman, like he's got this dull look. Like, why am I doing this? I'm so sad. You're you're putting all this upon me. I've had to save your lives. Why, why am I here? I'm such a tragic tragic figure. <laughs> like, 
always not, looking up and slightly to the left and thinking. It's like, not whenever you see Superman saving people, like those are supposed to be like the joyous moments where like this is a superhero. Like this is why people love Superman because he can do the things that people can't do. That's your da 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 moment. Yeah. It's it, there's a running theme throughout both Man of Steel and this is that super is that being Superman is a huge burden that he would really <laughs> rather not deal with. Yeah, mm-hmm. which again is I'm not going to say it's not interesting, mm. you know. But you know if you're if you're going to have if you're going to go all the way say okay, what if Superman wasn't altruistic? Mm. Yeah. And and I guess now it's like the, the new meme seems to be that, you know, Zack Snyder wants to make a movie of the Fountainhead. So people have decided that, oh, he must be an objectivist, which, OK, fine. I can I can see that, you know, but there's not much else to do with this character if he doesn't just want to save people because yeah. you know, like once you do that, the whole being Superman thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, he's Dr. Manhattan then. He's like, yeah, I, which, I just resent you horrible, petty people. And, and you know, I feel, again, I, I feel like Zack Snyder, the, the key that says to me maybe he doesn't really want to do this is he doesn't really seem to get or like Superman, which mm-hmm. is fine. No one is required to love every character. You know, but uh, I feel like if you're going to open your, if, if you're going to open your movie Killing Jimmy Olsen, We've killed Clark Kent now. Mm-hmm. This is like like the movie is so bad people aren't even talking about the the implications of the ending. Clark Kent is now dead. Yeah. Like they they made a point to point out that they've separately buried Superman in quotations and Clark Kent. Yeah. So when this comes back the whole oh, I'm also a reporter for this newspaper and I have all these friends in the city and I have this whole other life, is now gone. Yeah, they had that on screen for all of three minutes. And I I feel like, you know, we're getting all of this stuff about how, hey, the altruistic saving people thing doesn't actually work. There's the whole thing with Pa Kent, you know, coming back in for this thing. The theme of which is, if you do heroic stuff, you know, someone else is going to suffer somewhere, so maybe why do it at all? You know, I'm going to come like, back to that point later. That is the words of a very pessimistic person, by the way. Right, right. And having all that, I feel like to the degree that Zack Snyder wants to make this thing his own at all, it feels like the end game of this is, okay, I've now killed Superman and Clark Kent. When he comes back, this is my Superman. And it's my rules. And oh my I'll decide God. what this character is going to be. I feel like that's where he's going, which is... If you're doing one of these, like, it's not an invalid thing to make a movie about. It's not what I would want to see, but if you want it, fine, you're the director. It's not a bad idea for, like, a one-off graphic novel. And Zack Snyder seems to me like a guy who claims that he loves and reads a lot of comics, but has mainly read the trade paperbacks of <laughs> the really big, which is Maximum a lot of carnage. People. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of people. And Warner Brothers is, no one at Warner Brothers cares about DC Comics. The DC Comics is literally owned by Warner Brothers marketing department. That's who's in charge mm. of DC Comics the brand. Yeah. You know, it's a marketing arm for the company. And I Kevin feel, Feige. Yeah, right. There's there's no showrunner there who actually gives a shit about the stuff and wants to see it done well. And you can see that in the fact that they keep going back to 
you know, we need a movie of Watchmen, we need a movie of The Dark Knight Returns, we need a movie of Death of Superman. They've been trying to make Death of Superman since it came out, and the reason is because the people counting up the money at Warner Brothers know that Death of Superman and Dark Knight Returns were the last time any comics they published made money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the ones they're going to do. Well, we're, we're not going to do All-Star Superman. That barely broke even. We're not going to do... You know, all you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow or just general Superman movies, those books don't sell. You know, these are still on the Barnes and Noble chart. Clearly, that's what people want to see. And I feel like Zack Snyder's one of those guys who got into comics by reading through Dark Knight Returns and Kingdom Come and all of these things. Good books, but without the context, you're just making revisionism. Yeah. Side note, by the way, I love Superman All-Star. Most of the film, the whole way through... Oh, sorry, the film. It's, it's available as a uh, movie as well. Most of the story the whole way through is sort of the 12 tasks of uh, Hercules. But the ending is so wonderful. Yeah. And it would have been deeply satisfying to see them, I suppose, like kind of draw from that a little bit. I mean, Grant Morrison knows his superheroes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's not my favorite writer, but uh, by any means, but he, he, you know, he's a smart guy. And uh, getting Morrison involved, another one. Like, you're looking for a Kevin Feige, someone who's got sort of like long-standing relations with DC in the same sort of way, but also has worked in TV. Jeff Johns, right yeah. there. He's working on Flash right now. Get him on your movies. He really knows about and cares about Lantern and Flash to woefully underused DC characters in cinema. These guys should have been around in the 90s. Of course, that if the Green Lantern had been around in the 90s, it might have been that Jack Black Green Lantern where he ends up making a Superman out of his ring and going backwards around the earth. <laughs> I would have preferred it to that Ryan Reynolds one. Jesus Christ. But all is forgiven, yeah. Ryan. Thanks, Deadpool. So, <clears throat> so, uh, Oh, speaking of which, watching this film and like at one point I was thinking, you know, who would really liven this thing up? (laughs) (laughs) Just have Deadpool show up and and just break the fourth wall and go, right, this whole thing has been a colossal joke. Okay, now I'm in charge. (laughs) And the rest of the movie is just him riffing and breaking the fourth wall over and over again. That would be great. I don't don't think everything has to be Deadpool, but just... I also read an article today that, uh, and this is actually my next talking point, uh, that uh, claimed that um, this is a brilliant superhero movie because it's not concerned with jokes and that all Marvel movies are is basically jokes, one joke after the other. You watch The Avengers, it's just people telling jokes in the way that Joss Whedon writes. All of these characters are exactly the same. I cannot tell you how completely I disagreed with this sentiment. This is sorry. It didn't actually. Don't think it said it in that article, but it's sort of in line with the whole. This movie is too smart for Marvel fans. Sentiment. Yeah. Which is goddamn ridiculous. Now we've actually held off on the fans of of this, and uh, we. I have no interest really in attacking people for liking this. If you like this movie and you've somehow got this far, thank you. It means you're balanced enough to be able to listen to us going on and on and on about how much its weaknesses. So, well, yeah, well done. You are a balanced person. Thank you. If you actually go out of your way, well, you're not listening. If you go out of your way to make your point that this film is good and that the Marvel films are bad, I have very little time for you. You know, the, the DC Marvel thing, and it was inevitable that it was going to happen somehow. Mm-hmm. Like that when DC started making like a universe of their own, that we would now get the Marvel versus DC argument. Yeah, 
it's weird that the sides have changed completely. Mm-hmm. Because like I I look I was reading this shit in the eighties and I was a Marvel guy quote unquote and the like the run on DC versus Marvel was always that DC is too happy go lucky and its heroes are out of touch and everything's a joke and it's too self aware and because you have to be because your characters are all bizarre caricatures created in World War II and they make no sense now mm-hmm. so so you have to be funny about them. And now it's completely on the other side. And I get what people are saying when they come to, well, you know, the, that, that the Marvel movies have made everything to such an exacting formula that they get right every time that anything that's not that is now, like, looked down on. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how the X-Men movies fit into that, which also make money and are also doing a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... It's uh, it seems to be a misunderstanding of what works about the Marvel movies, and I I like the Marvel movies. I love them. In fact, I will agree that there is a, a huge danger of homogeneity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that right on the first try. Hey. Right. <laughs> well done. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an American. When we get words right the first time, it's a celebration. There's a real danger of movies just playing follow the leader with Marvel and just doing what they do. And, you know, like like what happened with Pixar, where for a while Pixar was making great animated movies and everyone else tried to do what Pixar was doing mm-hmm. and failing at it. Yeah. And then the, they found their voice and things got better. The problem is the Marvel movies, the, the idea that their formula is, oh, it's just jokes, is a misreading of what works about those movies. It's incredibly yeah. reductionist as well. It's it's taking everything that was in Winter Soldier and Avengers and Iron Man and just going, well, blah, 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 jokes. It, it's <laughs> like you're, you're in the cinema and you hear a lot of people laughing. It must be because it's just because there's loads of jokes in it. That's why. Yeah, well, and also it, it's that the what becomes memetic about the Marvel, like the, there are two things that becomes that become memes out of the Marvel movies, which is any two male characters standing next to each other. <laughs> Tumblr, Tumblr goes insane for. And God, God love them. You know that's you know I I, I make fun of Tumblr for the uh, you know Tumblr loves you know male male pairing thing, mm-hmm. but I was a teenager in the 90s and remember doing the exact same thing anytime two women looked at each other on screen. So okay, turnabout's fair play. It's good for the goose. Yeah. My my generation invented Harley Quinn X everyone. But the reason that the jokes and the kind of like feel goodisms of the Marvel stuff is what resonates is because the characters are really richly drawn and likable. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the things that you... Re- no one... People who constantly think about their friends and, and relations that make them feel good, they think about the things they like about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, that's why, like, the Winter Soldier is a hugely dramatic downer of a movie overall. You know, it, it doesn't really, like, wrap up or go through on a happy note. Uh, you know, the Thor movies are not joke fests. Apparently, the third one is going to try to be a little funnier because they think that's been the problem. Uh, you know, it couldn't hurt. You know, most of them are, I don't expect Civil War to be, you know, all happy-go-lucky. In fact, I'm pretty sure Civil War is, is going to be the good version of Batman v Superman in several very specific ways. Watch this space, folks. Yeah. And I, uh, well, that's a layup, though. I mean, 
the Marvel movies are so well received generally at this point. It was a given that if Batman v Superman wasn't good, every review of Civil War was going to include the words, "Hey, this is the good Batman v Superman." Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a given, but that's it's so it, it is incredibly reductionist. You're right. I'm I'm rambling. I'm sorry, but no, it, no, that, no, no. Yeah, I, I love that, hearing this stuff. It pisses me off as as well. It's not the reason that the the Marvel movies work is not because of the jokes. It's because of the characters. Yeah. Uh, in fact, what, basically they uh, they argued that this is about. That Marvel was about jokes, whereas DC were about uh, characters and motivations. And I thought, <laughs> did you fucking see this movie? Uh, we then watched a, uh, I think, was it seven minutes? Like, sort of Road to Civil War, like, super trailer, where they, uh, these these little editing geniuses got together bits and bobs from uh, the previous, what is it now, 12 Marvel movies and a few of the TV shows, and said, right, here is every important political, social moment in all of those movies leading up to this point with that incredible bracing dun-dun-dun-dun-dun music. And I was like, wow, wow, not a joke among this, and I am so down with this universe everything you, your quote Sharon was everything that I care about is in these films in some capacity mm, yeah. um, and it used to be Lord of the Rings for me and uh, Marvel has since uh, come in and very slowly very gradually taken over um, the the fairly kind of oh well it's all going to hell we may as well just retire which is most of what Tolkien seems to be about it's, it's moving forwards now you're right there is a possibility of homogeneity um, oh, I said, did I, did I get that right? <laughs> well done. It's a great word. Um, but I wish that uh, Fantastic Four, for example, had accidentally gone down the route of homogeneity with Marvel and been more like a Marvel movie and not like friggin' interstellar sort of kind of, no, we've given up, like halfway through. It, Very self-serious. Jesus Christ, that movie. And, you know, there, there is room, I think, for DC to do a different... I mean, I think they kind of have to because yeah. I like the Marvel movies. I'm already watching about four of them a year. <laughs> if I have to start watching eight of these a Don't year, that, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get sick of it. Yeah, so I completely yeah. agree, yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't have to be literally what Marvel do. And, I, re, like I said, really love The Dark Knight. That is... Like, basically, if a Marvel fan loves Marvel movies and also loves The Dark Knight, then clearly they don't literally have to be doing the same thing. And I, I think there's there, there's room for DC to do something. And I think in another lifetime, Zack Snyder, or with a different script, or if he actually liked this stuff, and I really don't think he does. Mm. You know, I think there's a. Re, I think it kind of makes sense that he's now made Zack Snyder's made three superhero movies, and the good one is Watchmen, in yeah. my in my opinion. Mm. And Watchmen is like the theme of Watchmen is superheroes are terrible and fascist and don't really work. And if you had them in the real world, you'd hate them. Mm. And, you know, I think he's ideally suited to that viewpoint, Yeah, which, which is fine. You know, I think that's a valid take on the material. A thing that the DC movies could do to set themselves apart is if you're going to lean so hard on the idea that these are gods, which, which is fine. You know, I mean, Grant Morrison, you know, wrote the definitive modern Justice League and his entire take on it was, this is not a superhero team, this is the Olympian pantheon. Mm -hmm. And it worked. If you're going to do that and make them these big, soaring, you know, choral, like the Ten Commandments, but with superheroes things, fuck yeah, I'm down for that. This isn't that. Yeah. You know, I I would love to see a movie that takes itself as seriously as these you know, as like the Jesus movies, you know, where there's, you know, it's all serious and it's all chorus and, you know, church singing and, you know, shafts of light. 
you know, I would love to, you know, that's basically Alex Ross. I'd love to see, you know, that kind of thing treated to a Superman movie, but like done good. Yeah. And, I, and this is, is not that, and it, it doesn't work. So they need to be different, but not this. I keep thinking of George Miller's Justice League that almost was, and now post Mad Max. My God, I, th- I think it's, it's been mooted. Like, well, get get him on Justice League quick now before it can change. Back to Zack Snyder again, and um, yeah, I mean, like when you were describing sort of the big call stuff, I just kept thinking of the the music in um, Fury Road when the water comes out at the beginning, and then like. And if, have you ever seen Immortals? Yes. Piece love. of goddamn bullshit. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> you liked it. I remember now, actually. Oh, it's yeah. bullshit, but I love it. Okay. I, I love that didn't it's it, bullshit. It had Henry Cavill in it, didn't it? Yes, it did. Oh, God. Yeah, no, see, that's what I'm thinking about with, like, asshole Immortals. Like, you know, that's what that version <laughs> of Justice League would be like. Um, anyway, it's, uh, all I can remember is the guy with the sword hat. You know, he had, like, a hat <laughs> made of swords. It's it's kind of risky making the the Justice League put together all totally removed from society. And on that note, by the way, Batman's pulling together a team full of metahumans. Um, that kind of makes him Nick Fury in this because he doesn't have any powers of his own. It's like, you know, what do you do? I'm basically rich. I, I, I wish I had been recording it because I distinctly remember – five or six years ago during the Christopher Nolan movies mm-hmm. talking with, with some friends and saying, you know how they would probably do the justice league movies yeah. if, if they did them now, because the only thing DC wants to make are Batman movies is they would kill Superman and then say, Oh, because there's no Superman. Now we need a team and make the whole movie about Batman going out and finding super people, <laughs> which Pretty is, now- oh, wow which is now the movie that we've been promised. And I think the reason I was thinking of that was because of, do we remember the, the Saturday Night Live skit about the death of Superman? The, the payoff to that sketch is now the premise of the Justice League movie. ay 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 I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> As I said before, just this dark... Okay, all right. Can I go back to something we were sort of touching on earlier regarding Batman killing? It's something that Sharon actually uh, came across while we were discussing this, which is that one of the reasons that it's it's actually comforting for kids to be able to relate to Batman and Superman, even though they are shadowy on one side and bright on the other, is that they are both, in and of themselves, a bright line. Um, we, we said on the um, Superman Returns show that... Um, uh, many of the things that uh, Superman does in the original Donner films, if Con- Conroy Batman was stood behind him while he was doing those, he'd be saying, no. The idea being that it is ethically questionable to turn the Earth back on its uh, uh, on its access to change time and basically have Batman have a moral code that would al- allow him to make a judgment on the people he's up against to decide what is the best thing to do. Because ultimately, when you're a kid... Your superheroes are the ones who show you how, you know, ultimately how to make choices about the world. Then when you're a grown-up and they're making the movies for you, they make them them more relatable and more conflicted. But um, they've seemed to have lost sight of that in in, in, in these films. And um, 
the last bright Superman we had, and maybe we'll have for a long, long time, was Superman Returns. Mm. And I think I said during the um, Man of Steel show, and if I didn't say it, I really should have done, the desaturated look for it depressed the hell out of me and most other people who watched it. When he puts on the costume for the first time, if it had been bright blue, and if he'd gone from that world of the sort of darkness and shadows, and then the moment he started doing good work and helping people, he brought a little colour into that world. Just did it stylistically, like um, a, a more subtle version of Pleasantville until you became, became more and more aware of it. And then basically by the end of the movie, rather than the big punching contest, he's brought colour to Metropolis, and then basically you, you then get a montage of him going all over the world and actually helping and fixing. And like... The idea being that until Superman came along, the world was grey and dark and and the troubled world that we see today. And the Superman coming to Earth becomes this messianic figure simply because he gives us hope exemplified in colour. And crucially, the way that colour spreads goes to the people as well. And you see more life begin to return to their skin and the brightness to their eyes. Because Superman is an ideal, and the whole point of his work is not to put out individual fires, but to show us the merit of helping each other. That's what he's here for. it was dark, grey, drab, horrible and then in this it's dark, grey, drab, horrible and as I said in my um, first impressions um, Superman is basically Batman in this film and Batman in his two suits of armour is double Batman so you get the shadow (laughs) and then the shadow shrouded in shadow and at no point (laughs) anywhere is there colour or hope and again I come back to this guy crying with joy that he finally got at the, at the end of the movie the Martha your mum's called Martha boy that's my mum too Wonder Woman you can't be in the Martha club because it's so dark there just isn't that line there isn't that sense of uh, uh, that, that there is somebody making decisions that could conceivably be good ultimately for, for that to then the, the focus seems to be almost entirely on yeah but if you think about it he's as, as Park Kent would say there's almost no point being nice to anyone really because you're just being selfish you're just helping yourself which is a really shitty attitude when you're taking on Superman that sounds like a much better movie that's that's and not difficult to do you, you could even almost, if you if you're particular, like if, I'm assuming you've seen the uh, resaturated version on YouTube of the, where they sort of they, they added the color back in that had yeah. been taken out of the original film. It's quite yeah. breathtaking. If you're a particular whiz at that kind of color editing, you could make that film yourself. It, but the difficulty would be that Superman, over the space of two movies, uh, equating to about five hours worth of footage, uh, spends about five minutes actually helping people, maybe mm. ten. 
and that's depressing as all hell. Maybe that concept bores, bores. Yeah, they were all in slow motion, and it was mainly to show his rippling pectoral <laughs> muscles and to make it last longer. Yeah, but uh, it just it just seems like the idea of Superman helping people that that can't help themselves because they're in the grip of terrible calamity bores the shit out of Zack Snyder. Yeah. And de- I, I've got to say David Goyer as well, because mm. we've been going on and on and on about Snyder, and obviously he has a huge amount of control over this, but the writing comes from Goyer, and this is the director of Blade Trinity. I mean, he may be the writer of some good films, like Batman Begins is really good, and I felt a lot of Nolan in that, and he wrote the original Blade and Blade 2 as well, didn't he? But Goyer on his own has said some really dumb things, such as, was it She-Hulk only exists so that Hulk has someone to Fuck. Oh, that, God. That, no, that, that wasn't him. That was someone else. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I, sh- I may have said that in a previous podcast. I should go back and edit that one. I, I, he, don't, I don't he, think that I think that was – he was He was on – I think he was there, but I don't think he was the one that oh, said okay. it. Okay. Well, that, he was definitely the one who said that Martian Manhunt is boring, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, <sighs> that sentence I, depresses me. Yeah. I did have some hope when I noticed that the uh, writer of the Justice League movie is not Goya, but then I realized that the writer of the Justice League mo- movie, um, Chris Terrio, also co-wrote this. He, he also wrote Argo, so maybe with Goya completely out of the picture, Justice League will be better. And, and here's the thing. Should we move on to, like, what the hell are Warner Brothers going to do? Because right now we are on weekend two, and there has been a big drop in sales for tickets. So, question one. Do you think this will affect them at all? Because if it doesn't, we don't even have to have the next conversation. Question two, if it affects them and they think, we got to change some stuff, imagine your CEO, both of you guys, and Sharon as well. What do you do very quickly to uh, change the production of Justice League? Because it's, it's, it's in motion right now. Ju- Zack Snyder is at the helm. Do you carry on? Do you change stuff? What? Oh, God. See, I, now, in this scenario, am I acting as... Uh, CEO of Warner Brothers now, the current, the current or as myself, who has somehow miraculously become a CEO. They, they phoned you up and they said, Jerome slash Bob slash Sharon, we need your expertise. The CEO has retired. He said, I can't do it. Too much pressure. We heard your podcast. In a panic, he has gone. You know what you're talking about, clearly. So you've got, you're in the hot seat. Billions, billions of dollars are resting on your decisions. What do you do? Take the money and run. <laughs> Bob, come on. Well, you got to have something. Uh. Oh, um, well, if, if we're talking exclusively about Justice League, yeah. I find a way for Zack Snyder to not make that movie, mm-hmm. which is difficult because they've already signed him to do the movie. Yeah. You know, the, the, the movie is, is already kind of set up to go. And unlike the Marvel and Edgar Wright situation, this is not an Edgar who for a lot of the public. You know, this is... Take, like taking Zack Snyder off of Justice League now is admitting failure. Yeah. Like right, like because right now Warner Brothers can still spin the run of this movie. You know, they can still look at it and say, okay, we had an eighty-one percent drop off, but it's because we're making a different kind of movie. We were still open to number one. The fans really like it. Quote unquote, the fans in quotation marks. You know, th- there's there's room for them to do that if it continues to fall. Um, like it's already fallen in its second week. If there had been another movie out this week, this movie would have come in second place. And I think Zack Snyder would be off of justice league and he would be 
doing like a smaller movie to get his cred back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, the fountain and they promising that the other movies <laughs> would be better because a, a lot of the reality right now is much like, and this is, you know, we can thank Marvel for this. These things, uh, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Mm-hmm. And people have been, were saying for years, when is there going to be superhero fatigue? When is the Marvel thing going to roll out? When are we going to be done with this cycle? And done with a cycle when it came to genres used to mean a movie would come out and the audience would kind of go, eh, or it would be bad. And then it would go dormant for five years and they'd reconsider and then someone would make a good one and then it would come back five years later. I feel like that cycle happened last summer in the three months between Age of Ultron and (laughs) Ant-Man. Because that's how fast things move now is, you know, I, I thought Age of Ultron was okay. And then, you know, it kind of got a meh reaction and then for three months kind of went, okay, hey, superheroes, maybe we need something else. And then, oh, no, wait, hey, Michael Douglas has ants. (laughs) <laughs> and, and they're and, adorable and everyone was back on board yeah yeah speaking of how fast things move actually one thing i wanted to ask was do you think that if they wait to see what the reactions are to suicide squad it will then be too late to change anything mm. yes. uh, personally i do because they seem so dead set of on starting the train rolling now that by the time Suicide Squad could even have a influence on them, things would be too far ahead. And it would be like the changes that they'd be able to make would be far too jarring. And if they, sh- if, if, if they wait now, like Justice League will have been delayed by six months. Mm. To with, And it's not like delayed from, okay, let's write the script and figure out what this movie's about. The sets are built. They know what all the action scenes are. The previs is done. Like the... Yeah. It takes yeah. a long time to make these movies. Like, the George Miller movie shut down two days before they were supposed to start shooting. <laughs> All of those suits and sets and scripts and everything were built. I mean, there are... I have seen fully constructed animatonic Incredible Hulks for movies that were not made in, like, 1998. More than one. What that, he was that? Was it that Dark Knight came out and they were like, whoa... This movie just made a huge amount of money. I think if uh, if Christopher Nolan had not been dead set against yeah. a DC universe, yeah. they would have made Batman versus Superman right after Dark Knight. Yeah, which was the plan. Like what became with Random Ralph? Yeah. yeah, what became Batman Begins was supposed to be a movie that their plan was: we make a new Superman. And then we make a new Batman, and then they team up for Batman versus Superman, and then there's Justice League. Hence the Batman Superman posters that people have been throwing around uh, from uh, I Am Legend. Right. Yeah, they, they they planned this for a long time, and that movie almost got made. I've read the Wolfgang Peterson script. It's yeah. not good, but it's better than this. <laughs> also, I'm so grateful the McGee film never came out. Jesus. Yes. Whatever. McG- what McGee? What what Zack Snyder's done with Superman McGee would make like at least people can pretend that this movie is really really smart. <laughs> McGee's movies. Well, and he, had, and he had an awful script for that, too. They had the J.J. Abrams script, which was terrible. Really? Maybe he's a better... Well, he's got to be a better director. Because that's, that's the thing. If I was going to get anyone to do a Superman film right now... And this is another thing, because 
it feels like they stuck the death of Superman here in, in at the end because they had no faith in another Man of Steel movie. They did not have time or uh, they didn't have, want to really organize it around a straightforward death of Superman movie on his own. They figured this character, much like the Hulk, doesn't work on his own, so we'll team him up with Batman, and then we'll shoehorn this uh, this in at the end. No one will be expecting it, and no one will like it. No, I guarantee, like, no one cried over Superman being dead, because everyone knows, the one thing everyone knows about Superman is that he dies and then comes back, so we're just like, oh, is he going to be back at the end of this one, or have we got to wait? Oh, we got to wait. Okay, that's fine. But no one was really thinking about it in terms of this Superman being dead, and even if they were, they were like, well, he's an asshole anyway, so... <laughs> not 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 a reaction that uh, that you that you should have. Yeah, nary a tear was shed for this one. Guarantee people could be crying over civil war. Yeah, you know, J.J. Abrams would probably be like a topping list of directors for for this stuff right now. Not from me. I've never cared for him. Oh, he he did a pretty good job with the Force Awakens making. You know, something that Disney, I imagine, sort of stage managed down to the last detail <laughs> and plugged J.J. Abrams in because the one thing he's objectively good at as a director is mimicking other directors' styles. Oh. And they and they needed this to look like a George Lucas movie. Okay, okay. So, yep. so, good, so, good on, <laughs> so good on them. You know, they, they wanted, we need this to look like this came out right after Return of the Jedi, and he did it, so good on him. I don't hate J.J., but he's a super limited instrument, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Well, his, at the same time, uh, like, sticking him on the Superman film would be like, this is fan service. We're giving you the shiny, and we're going to give you the bright and the blue, and this is the Superman you want, right, folks, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would probably get quite a good response for that. But his script wasn't that, which is the weirdest yeah. thing. Oh re- yeah, I've, I've actually read the original Batman v Superman scripts. No, that was uh, that, that was Andrew Kevin Walker. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I've I've re- well, I've I've read the synopses across. It was if you look at the Superman Returns Wikipedia page, guys, that's where all of the what do we do with Superman went to, took place between Superman Four and Returns. They just didn't know, and clearly they still don't know. There, there's an amazing book called Superman versus Hollywood that chronicles the production of every Superman movie failed and completed. That is a must read. It is a particular interest of mine. I'm going to have to get that. Okay. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, Superman that you want. But yeah, I mean, te- technically that would be almost like a soft reboot as well. If you're checking <laughs> off Snyder, you're very deliberately hanging up the the hook on of that style. But at the same time, there would almost be a, a push to export the things that worked from this movie. So, for example, Affleck as Batman, ironically considering that's the thing everyone was bitching about, Affleck as Batman was generally well-received. Mm. So people want to see an Affleck-Batman solo film, so they might just fast-track that in as well. I think they are. I think they're going to. I. Yeah. It depends on how much it falls. Like, it's going to get blown out of the box office by the Jungle Book. That was always going to happen. Can but that's two weeks from now. Yeah. Like, if if it goes down to number two next weekend to, like, The Boss, <laughs> it, which it could. Melissa McCarthy is a huge star. She yeah, is, yeah. It could happen. And, oh, the, the, and I feel like the same audience that could be relied on to say, you know, we need our dose of action – you know, so let's go see Batman v Superman again. The like young male action fans mm. are going to be lined up around the block to see whether or not Hardcore Henry is any good. Yeah, 
Oh man, if Hardcore Henry came out this weekend, it would clean up. Not not in as many theaters. Like, it would need to be in, in a bunch of theaters to more theaters than they can probably afford to put sure. Hardcore Henry in. Yeah. I, I feel like that's going into probably about a thousand theaters mm. so that they can make, you know, just make back what it cost while it's there and then, you know, head to streaming where, where it was supposed to be anyway. Yeah. Also, then the response would be, oh, it's nasty R-rated action films. So then the pendulum would swing back the other way and they'd be like, here was the problem with uh, Batman v Superman. It wasn't rated R. <sighs> or it's not or it's not Deadpool. Oh, speaking yeah. of which, it may as well have been rated R. If you're taking little kids to see this, kids don't like this. I would imagine yeah, kids would cry when the actual fight happens and he's just beating him with a toilet. And you're like, Batman, <laughs> stop. Please, you're my hero. Stop hitting Superman. He's done nothing wrong. The miscalculation here is... I want. To, I'm not surprised because I've watched them try to put the movie together for 20 years. So, yeah. but like, uh, so much in this movie is the culmination of bad decisions I've been hearing them make for years. Yeah, yeah. like all of the stuff that was failed in all these other movies. You know, like, hey, let's not have a Wayne Manor anymore. We don't need that. Let's have Batman actually kill some people. Let's kill some. All of these like bad ideas that they like come close to using and not u- using finally escaped into the wild and they were a hodgepodge it's 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 disastrous and i i don't know whether or not Zack snyder will make justice league right now he would kind of have to Mm -hmm. just contractual obligation yeah well like contractual obligation i mean warner brothers can get out of that contract they wrote the contract if they want him gone he's gone all they have to do is promise to make that george washington movie instead yeah because that's what he wants to do, apparently, is make a movie about George Washington. They don't know what that's about. But he, uh, I don't know if he makes it, because if they take him off now, they've admitted failure, and it becomes a story, and now that movie is poison. Yeah. And and it's, it's already poison now, because people looking at the box office from Batman v Superman are not going to look at Justice League and say... You know, hey, let's uh, let's give them four weeks because they're going to kill our movies. You know, someone's going to open a movie the the very next week. A big movie is going to come out after Justice League, yeah. unless both Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman are the biggest hits ever. <laughs> well, hang on, is Suicide Squad rated R? No, it's not. It's it's still going to be PG thirteen, isn't it? Yeah, they they promised that from yeah. they, they like the day after they said no, this is still a PG thirteen movie, which is meaningless now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So long as no one gets their tits out, it's a PG thirteen. Yeah. And then if you're James Cameron, not even that. <laughs> so long as, as uh, um, Harley Quinn isn't literally naked, then we'll be all right. Still PG thirteen. But like I said, like I, when I was watching, I was like, there was a little kid sat right next to me, and you know, we, he was like, "Oh, I want to see Angry Birds." When we were watching the uh, the the opening trailers, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you're not gonna like this movie, much, yeah, kid." And uh, he was just stony quiet the whole way through. <laughs> this is not for you, son. I'm so sorry. I I, I I can't stick the empirical. This this must be for children. But if it's gonna be like this, it may as well not be. Is what I meant. Yeah, it's. You know? I don't know, like, I know who they think the audience is for this, but I, I think they vastly under overestimated how much that audience is. I Warner Brothers has been obsessed, ironically, with, like, the internet fan community ever since Batman and Robin. Yeah. 
because they blame Harry Knowles for Batman and Robin not working. And they've, they've been like fawningly following all the chatter about this stuff. And you can see that in the way that they're obsessed with Batman, that it needs to be dark and that it needs to be made for the older trade paperback audience. I don't think that they, they quite realize that there's much more of an audience to be had with the people who are buying the, the toys that you're now not selling. Yeah. It's it's a case of the vocal minorities are the ones that they're listening to. Mm. Significantly, the vocal minorities were the ones who were there day one, you know, along with me. But then they all saw Batman v Superman, and there needs to be a lot more people behind them who want to see it week two. Also, it doesn't help when this vocal minority writes clickbait articles along the lines of, Batman v Superman is too smart for fans of Marvel movies because that's not going to encourage recurring new audiences. The vocal minorities in this case line up very much with Warner Brothers' general corporate thinking, mm-hmm. you know, which is why sell $25 action figures to a seven-year-old when we can sell a a $50,000 life-sized resin statue of Ben Affleck to mm-hmm. super hardcore adult fans, which I'm not making up is an actual product. Yeah. Oh, you, you yeah. I've seen it. Life-sized action figures of people from this movie. And knowing the internet being the internet, I don't know how Gal Gadot said yes to that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Don't know who said that's. This is a product that I really want associated with me for the next, you know, fifty years of my life. Speaking of which, <laughs> actually, it was speaking of which from a while back when we were talking about the core audience. Thank the living God, Superman, uh, for Lego Batman. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you've, you've you've seen the trailers. You can't not have done. Yeah. Oh. Were you looking at the old family pictures again? No, I wasn't. Sir, I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. I have aged phenomenally. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling? What? No! I don't want to do that! Sir. No. Sir. No, 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 we're not Alfred. What did I say? A B R. Always be recording. I am so much looking forward to that. It appears to be the real Justice League. It's really weird when you watch a trailer um, before a movie. Now this is probably the last time I'll actually smile. Yeah, <laughs> for the rest for the next two and a half hours. Don't put the Civil War trailer on before I see Batman v Superman. <laughs> I, the Lego Batman's trailer is great, and I've I've looked at their synopsis, and it mm. sounds like such a good movie. It's, um, which oh, trailer did you guys get? Both. Oh, there was the, the the one where he's beatboxing, and then he puts on the lobster thermidor. Ah, uh, yes. That and then there's the um, Rafe finds his Alfred. Do you want to talk about your feelings, sir? No, 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 no. And uh, 
Yeah, the, the Synopsis Kids is um, it's all about Robin and uh, a Batgirl and um, the fact that Batman is extremely lonely. And this is the only film that, where they can actually touch on the idea of him having wards. Uh, because for some reason, there's some folks at Warner Brothers who are like, what, he has these kids around the house? Ugh, he must be touching them. In which case, we don't do that at all. <laughs> Hey, I didn't say it. It's their line of thinking. No, my wow is, yeah, they actually probably think that. They totally think that. That's why well, we haven't they, they seen Robin since Batman and Robin. They don't want the Batman and Robin jokes. They're mm. still hung up on this, on, on that whole thing. And it's... And even then, they brought in a Robin who was like, oh, no, no, this guy is fully of age. He and Batman could quite legally have sex. Uh, (laughs) They're not in several states. That he's not a child molester. Stop saying he is. Uh, So, like the the idea of Batman hanging out with a twelve-year-old boy, Dick Grayson, appalls them on a gut level. For me, however, (laughs) the idea of like, like when we saw The Dark Knight Rises, and we were talking about, okay, this is a really dark pendulum swing, which means that the next Batman we see, don't know how many years, maybe they'll bring him in with uh, with Man of Steel, uh, also after Man of Steel. Um, maybe he'll be more like uh, a little bit more like your, your animated Batman, because at this time, this point, Man of Steel was still a year off. Maybe he'll be a bit more fun, and maybe we'll get a young Robin. And the idea of wouldn't it be awesome to spend a weekend hanging out with Batman for the core audience of Batman fans who are about Robin's age? <sighs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is the thing, eventually you run out of stuff to feel about this. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, I, I'm sorry to exhaust you and numb you to this. No, there. no, it's, it's, it's just, it's, Especially because I'm, I'm like, I'm now paid to think about this stuff yeah. <laughs> for a certain amount of, of the of the week, and I, I don't know what they do now because they have no good options. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they're they, almost in check at this point. They're like, if I move left and away from Snyder, then that's admitting that Snyder sucks and that this thing's poisoned. If I move right and with Snyder, then we're belligerently carrying on with the thing that people manifestly hate, yeah. and it's poison and it's poison and it's poison. How do we, you know, what? Um, unless they publicly go, like, make a thing that says, "Okay, it was too dark. We'll lighten it up." Yeah. Just something that says, "We get it, guys," but that almost requires more humility than Warner Brothers are publicly capable of. If I can, I can imagine one scenario that has, I don't know any precedent to it, mm-hmm. but I, I can see that there's like a small, and again, I'm this, this is like the most useless bullshit thing I'll say because I'm not a Hollywood business insider. I have no, you know, like deep understanding of the way the business works, but I know the history of it and have seen like directors get moved on and off projects before the fact that they were always only going to have Snyder do the first Justice League movie mm-hmm. could be a way for them to kind of get get uh, if if they end up needing to like if this dives again next week and you know loses a ton more money, which is kind of difficult because how much farther is there to go and it's still going to have all of its theaters. Yeah, I suppose people could be like, should we go to the cinema this this, this evening? Nah, what's on to see? Batman v Superman. Don't want to see it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it comes in, if it starts to come in second or third. Like if if the boss comes out and does really well, and Zootopia continues to just latch on to number two, and then Batman v Superman goes down to three or four, 
then I think that you start seeing them like saying, you know what, we have nothing else to lose. We need to say, okay, Snyder's not doing the next Justice League. We're going to put that on hold and think about it and then announce another director. If they aren't going to do that, there, there could conceivably be the possibility of finding the person that they really want to direct Justice League and announcing very early, hey, this person is going to direct Justice League Part 2 and therefore will now become co-director of mm. Justice League Part mm. 1. And yeah. then very gradually over a certain amount of time, you Zach know... will stop coming into work. Let, let them... <laughs> All of this is contingent on Snyder playing ball, which yeah, he seems yeah. to be a ball player, uh, and saying, okay, I will... The way he photographs the male form is to be, uh, yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he would have to, like, you know, consent to being moved off of Justice League and placed mm. onto another project that he would rather do, and he's got plenty. Yeah. You know, he's got all these things lined up that he wants to do, none of which are these DC movies, that a million dollars to make Fountainhead. Let him do his and Rand thing. That's great. That could be a way to 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 get out of it, and then you know say at some point, hey, you know the person doing Justice League Two has been directing more of Justice League One, and now we're just going to delay it a few months so that they can get all of that right together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the saving grace of of for Warner Brothers might be the fact that they did not lock everything in the way Marvel did, where they're not yeah contracts yeah. They're supposedly not paying as much attention to the way everyone else makes their movies. Mm-hmm. Like, David Ayer didn't have to ask anyone what the Joker should be like. He just made his version of the Joker, and DC said, well, that's our Joker now. So that's how you get a hodgepodge. Okay, yeah. the same with the Jesse Eisenberg thing. You're not making brunch. You're not just sort of throwing stuff into the pan and letting too many cooks... Oh, that can only improve the broth. It's... <laughs> some form of authorial that's the problem the problem is that there's no authorial control there's no sense of somebody directing this I I feel like the authorial control was David Ayer you will make a PG-13 movie for the first time in your life Oh (laughs) Uh, the other thing that really worries me is that Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder are producing Wonder Woman and we haven't really talked about Wonder Woman because there's barely anything to talk about everything in the trailer you've seen of her um and Patty Jenkins, director of Monster, is directing. She's not done big Greek goddess action films before. Uh, I hope she can retain her, especially now. If 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 Zach's if Zach's name is Mud, she might. I mean, it's it's going to be done now, isn't it? It's going to be finished. Yeah, yeah, they've done it. Like, that's that's in the bag. It's written, and this is the other thing that really bothers me by a guy named Jason Fox. And Jason Fox wrote Pan and Ice Age: Continental Drift. Mm. <laughs> Pan was so bad, it lost $25 million. And that was his big adventure movie recently. The chances of Wonder Woman being anything better than mediocre are really low. And that bothers me more than anything else. Just that this movie, starting with um, Man of Steel, when Nolan was still somewhat involved with this, this the ethos and the, the, the world building has poisoned a lot of movies moving forwards in a way that's going to be very difficult to unpick and it would require some really you know clever, careful moving around of people and money and project times to actually undo this shit. And Wonder Woman is a big deal. 
a really big deal. They've got several years up on Marvel in terms of delivering the first major female superhero. Like the, you know, the, the idea that, that this was put on hold time and again, thanks to Catwoman and Elektra, bothers the hell out of me. But that it's now coming out and that it, it's highly likely to be played by this kind of nothing nobody of an actress. I don't want to be nasty about Gal Gadot. I made that clear before. I'm tolerating her as Wonder Woman because I don't have a say in it. She's very pretty, but I didn't get much from her. And, you know, she's got this accent. And that's about it to her. Now, obviously, this film is the, her chance to shine. If she doesn't shine here, that's their Wonder Woman. Buggered. And it's not just any old film. This is the first one. This is the one that people are going to remember. They're, they're waiting until Green Lantern has passed out of living memory before they bring back the Green Lantern core. And that's just another white guy superhero. This is the female superhero. Marvel didn't even have a Wonder Woman character, really, until they started going, you know what? Carol should probably be put front and center. That's how important Wonder Woman is. And if, if this movie is anything to, to be shown... Do you guys remember the point where like uh, Doomsday knocks her down and she's sort of lying there, legs splayed, sexually kind of, hey, this guy can keep hitting, but I'll keep coming up. And just, that was about the only thing, apart from the Golden Lariat, that wasn't in the trailer of Wonder Woman. And when Bruce is sleezing up behind her and sort of like whispering in her ear, going, oh. I can't remember what he said, but he's basically being Archer. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and just the whole thing, like her whole character seemed to be predicated upon, well, she probably could destroy him balls first. So <laughs> she's the one holding the power at this point. But most of what she did was kind of like going onto Wonder Woman's laptop and going, okay, so double click on this super early preview of uh, Aquaman. Yep, that looks like ass. Okay. Did you get the sense watching the way her character and her reveal is played out in the movie that they had no intention originally of telling anyone Wonder Woman was in this movie until it came out? Yeah, it kind of felt like we're going to need a few more strings to our bow at some point because Marvel were doing big things and they were like, we got to get people excited. So, Because, I mean, the, if I had not known that Wonder Woman was in this movie at all, you like as, as, as big a pop as she gets when it comes up, the moment when – this is why I, I think Zack Snyder really is a good director, just mm-hmm. maybe not of things that he's had a hand in creatively, mm-hmm. is – if we had not known that she was Wonder Woman, if there was just this mysterious woman who could be anyone that Bruce Wayne was hanging out with, and mm-hmm. then, you know, she corrects him about a piece of Greek architecture, and then throughout the movie, you know, I'm kind of thinking, oh shit, wait, is could, could this be happening? And, God, and then... This sounds like such she, a better movie. <laughs> yeah. and then, but the thing is, it's the same movie, it's just a different trailer. Yeah. yeah. Because she does that, and they're, they're looking at the dagger, and he says, it's a, it's a, fake, uh, it's a fake one, and she goes, I know. Mm. And you know, and, and it, it's a a big thing. The moment when he pop when she pops open the email and it's a picture of her in Wonder Woman uniform and Bruce saying, "Who are you?" Mm. Like the theater would have like the reviews for this movie. It would have been just as bad. The reviews would have been like it would have been C pluses across the board <laughs> just on people going nuts. But also, can you imagine a version of this film without Wonder Woman at all? And would it have been any different? 
I would have been completely bored in the last act more so than <laughs> Doomsday, well, okay, how about just that um, Superman flies off for just a moment after Lois drops the spear in and then falls in and starts to drown and, oh, God. Well, no, the, way, the way they get with Doomsday is just instead of shooting a nuke and bring them back down, just let yes. Superman fly him out into the universe and he's done. Yeah. And uh, or yeah, you know, or, or just like had had that fight go in a slightly different way, but basically you could digitally remove Wonder Woman from uh, from those scenes that she's in, and just trim that away, and no one would go. It feels like there was something missing because she so lifts out, and again that bothered me because it doesn't feel like she has any real impact on proceedings. She held like she kept him busy for a bit. She slashed at him and she held him back with the lariat for like a moment while Superman, you know, flew in and spiked him in a way that like, that was stupid. It was stupid. It's like, okay, right. Here's my only weakness. I am so desperate to die for humanity that I'm going to be the one who does this. How about, Hey, Wonder Woman catch. Yeah. Like, okay. The person you, you can pretty sure she, she, she can fight with the sword and the spear. Why not give it to the person who's like been, yeah. Holding him back this entire time. I and mean, frankly, Batman could have leapt off a ledge with the with the with his pokey spear and like I've been dying to use this thing. What are Or but, throw the spear. Yeah. <laughs> and then Arnold Vosloo went and he goes, No But yeah, no, I, I just felt like Wonder Woman didn't need to really be there, but thank God she was, because that gave us at least something to give this movie a bit more form. I don't know. I, I really do feel like they wrote her in as their version of the Nick Fury moment. Yeah. You know, that this was like, you know, like what you know, like Iron Man is a pretty damn good movie that kind of loses track of itself in the last half hour. Yeah. And, but, but it has a great pop right before the credits. And then everyone went home out of their fucking minds because yeah. Samuel L. Jackson showed up. Yeah. But Samuel L. Jackson doesn't, I love Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. is great. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't show up at the end of that movie. I don't know what happens because, like, they were gambling that telling people the Avengers is coming, we're serious this time, that mm. people were going to go nuts. And they did. And I, I feel like they put Wonder Woman in this specifically as a way to say, oh, yeah, no, we're not kidding. It's not just Batman and Superman. There's all these other people mm. out there. And this was our moment. People would have gone home all anyone would be talking about is, holy shit, can you believe that chick was Wonder Woman? What a twist. And that means we're getting all these movies now. Mm. On one hand, I feel like Marvel blinked too early by showing us Spider-Man too early. If they'd held that back until opening night, uh, uh, I, people would have been talking about Spider-Man going home. But I also think that that actually shows that Civil War's strong and they want people to be talking about something else other than the webhead. Mm. And the actual core conflict of it is worth... Like, come for the webhead, stay for everything else in Civil War. I am a bit depressed that I know Spider-Man's in there. Are you? Well, that's, I'm someone who, like, I've, Would I've said to this that, to, yeah. like, I, I skip trailers. Yeah. Besides, that's why, like, when Vision appeared in Age of Ultron, like, I didn't see that coming at oh, all. Oh, nice. So, if, it's just, like, I have that moment when I find out, like, I, I would have enjoyed more just learning that in the movie. Yeah, and it's well, like, I didn't what, just what, ruin it for you, did I? No, no, I'd already like <laughs> okay. the minute I hadn't watched the trailer, but Twitter exploded with the image immediately. Yeah, yeah. well, and even but, even before they had the trailer, even before the, I think I agree, I would have loved to see Spider-Man show up as a surprise in Civil War. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that would have been great. I think they, I think they were hamstrung from being able to do that in the sense that as soon as Amazing Spider-Man Two came out and bombed. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Every, everyone in the world knew that something had gone wrong, and then every news site, not even trailers, on the planet had already reported, hey, you know, the Russos wanted Spider-Man to be in Civil War, and, Mar- and Marvel said, we can't do it because of Sony, so instead they put Black Panther in it. Like, like that had already been widely reported. So I think the minute that they announced we're doing a new Spider-Man movie, people would – it would have gotten out that he was in Civil War. And if they hadn't put him in the trailer, people would have assumed, oh, he's got to be like the whole point of this movie. And then if he shows up and isn't the whole point of the movie, people would have been down. Like, you know, people would have been asking, where's Poochie? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I want to make – like I, I'm more disappointed in myself because like I've broken my own sort of – it's it's just something that I'm normally able to do that I didn't because I'd actually forgotten the whole Spider-Man being reacquired thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in like the interim. Yeah, this is all mainly down to marketing, though. I think yeah, I think you're right, uh, Bob. That uh, most likely marketing just splurged Wonder Woman because they were mm-hmm. like, we need some stuff to get people to come and see this. Mainly down to the fact that people came out of Man of Steel going, ugh. So they needed something, like, you know, something beyond Superman, because it almost seems like Warner Brothers hates Superman just as much as uh, Zack Snyder does. Like, like, he's his horrible contractual obligation that they've got to keep trying. Well, and it's a talking point, too, because once they said Wonder Woman's going to be in the movie, this became the first thing of the very limited number of things they have that they can say, okay, Marvel, what next? Yeah. Here's Wonder Woman. Everyone and their mother knows that, you know, one of the huge problems with, you know, the Marvel things coming out is that all of the characters are played by white guys named Chris. <laughs> and, and you know, that you have very few black characters and no women other than Black Widow, who is only ever a sidekick in other people's movies. It is dumb so, as shit that we have not got a Black Widow movie, by the way. For God's sake. It writes yeah, itself. I, <laughs> the Red Room. Come on. Like, I, I understand that Marvel was super cheap when they were uh, when when they were doing the Paramount thing, and that's why these contracts were signed that way. But I could have told them that Scarlett Johansson in an action movie was going to be a star. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was already a star. I mean, when they got her for Iron Man, the joke was, "Wow, they went and got Scarlett Johansson to play this bit part in an Iron Man movie." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, speaking like of one of the biggest female stars in the world who can open, you know, a weird little bizarre thing like Lucy to a hundred million domestic. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, some people have mentioned it, but I was one of the first that I could I can remember saying this Batman v Superman is your Iron Man too. Almost exactly in structure as well. Just yeah. in, in terms of like your your evil um Justin Hammer, Lex Luthor trying to get a big fight and then basically your Tony Stark slash Superman versus Rhodey uh, in the domestic setting, and they're punching each other up and, and then smashing a bunch of concrete, and that's the fight you don't really want to happen, even though it's supposed to be fun. And at yeah. the end, they team up with this sudden, super-hot fi- female, although rather than um, Black Widow, who's been sort of mysteriously walking around being all mysterious and beautiful, uh, having her own hallway fight, she turns up for the main event. And they're basically saying, look, Justice League slash Avengers is going to be awesome. And then there's a big, completely pointless final fight, which has nowhere near the kind of actual, like, character motivation riding on it that the first fight had. Mm. And it all ends in a kind of... Well, although, 
one thing Batman v Superman has over it is that it actually does end on that dramatic note that should have got everyone going, oh no, Superman's dead. But it's it's kind of like Jesus dying at the end of the movie on the yeah. cross. Like, you, you'll, you know he's going to be back. And this is not the same case as Groot at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy or the Iron Giant because neither of them, once you know the final outcome of their sacrifice and regeneration, in neither of those cases does their sacrifice seem meaningless. In this case, though, all I could feel was the meta story of we have to have the death and return of Superman, so that sacrifice really did feel meaningless. Yeah. Well, it, it looks, it's also, I mean, it's obvious because everyone's heard of Death of Superman. Yeah. Like, as soon as Lex Luthor says, this is your doomsday. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, we, it's like everyone kind of goes, oh, well, okay, right. Gotcha. A guy literally okay, yeah, okay, groaned in death. the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> It's exactly the same as uh, the end of uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. We're like, wow, okay, so so Spock didn't die. Okay, so that happened. I wonder if they're going to be the search for... Nope, they've wrapped it up already. Okay, fine, that's fine. That being said, Star Trek Into Darkness, I really cared about Kirk. I really cared about Spock, the performance of the two actors, the performance of Michael Giacchino on the score, and, of course, J.J. Abrams directing. One of my favorite directors of all time. Star Wars, my favorite movie of 2015. So Kirk's death really still did have meaning, even if it is resolved very, very quickly. Because that's contingent, that's the whole point of the story. We'll, we'll do it Into Darkness very soon, but that's the story. It's, uh, I, have, I, I have no idea. I wonder if this means that Justice League will, will actually do the death of Superman story. Like, if this is there, because, you know, it... The <laughs> death Metropolis of Superman, kid? The, the death of Superman the trade sells a lot, but the reign of the Superman sells a lot. Yeah. And, and steel and the eradicator and oof. all of that nonsense. Yeah. Yep. Although they're, they seem to be teasing that some of that stuff is in Supergirls next season. So, okay. Maybe until they break everything open with a multiverse in justice yeah. league two. Right. So you also, uh, Avengers, um, infinity part two, which oh, by the way happens like within months of each other. That those two will be aren't coming out, and uh, I'd imagine if if there's things that aren't working, that's the time to fix them. They're they're leaning hard on the on the idea of the of the multiverse. Supposedly, Jeff Johns' actual big contribution to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I forget where this was originally posted. Was Jeff Johns explaining how he thought the DC continuity was going to work? Was that he got a call that he needed to come in and take a, a meeting with the big people at Warner Brothers? Ah. Gotcha. And, and it was the they had said, uh, you know, well, what do they want to talk about? And they said, I got in the room and they said, okay, explain to us what a multiverse is. Motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, because apparently they had not like cued in that that's the idea. And the takeaway from this, at least that he seemed to think was that Warner Brothers was going to use the DC multiverse precedent as an excuse to not have to connect to the TV shows or any Netflix projects and the movies with each other and just say, oh, those are all in a different universe, and if we want them to cross over, that's how we'll do guest spots. Yeah. So Uh, that would be like the DC multiverse becomes a reason not to plan the way Marvel does because everyone can just visit from Earth Flash or something anyway. Yeah. Oh, God. Which is how, if I was running others, that's how I would get out of this. I know, yeah. that, well, that's oh, why yeah, yeah. Well, comics have a built-in excuse. I, the, yeah. I feel like I would just, like, with the Justice League, start again. 
Like this, this yeah. is poison and a broken world that no one wants to know. It's it's Amazing Spider-Man two. We've already had this discussion, Bob, and I think we were both in thorough agreement. Just ditch it, etch a sketch this yeah. shit, put it on hold, yeah. reuse the sets, and just you know add some like don't desaturate it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, they they might even take the opportunity to recast Cavill because people don't seem to even really like him. So if he's going to come back from the dead, total recast. But keep Affleck because people like him now. Kryptonian yeah. hibernation. It changes yeah. your face sometimes. The sleep and return of Superman. <laughs> and now he's the doctor. Yeah. and But make sure he has the mullet. Whatever happens, he has to have the mullet. <laughs> I, I know that it will weird tangent. Oh, sorry, go on, Bob. No, 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 you go ahead. Weird tangent. I'm kind of sad that um, Doomsday didn't have his wrestler hair. Mm, his Hulk Hogan yeah. shower curtain hair. And his little green underoos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also kind of sad that he didn't see wrestling on TV and, and decide, yes. I, I like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Some camp, please. It would have been really taken everyone by surprise. <sighs> anyway, um, right. So uh, let's, let's wrap this up because I think we've kept um, everyone as long as we possibly can. I'll just say a few more things. Um, there Lois- are a few things I want to quickly touch on. Okay. Um, it, it is sort of like a big thing because it's how they've teased the next movie. Go for it. They've made the m- mistake of doing the whole dream sequence and people hallucinating or imagining oh. people different places. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be fine if the key way that you're trying to set up the new universe doesn't just seem like a weird dream for Bruce Wayne who's going slightly insane. Because yeah. they have the double nightmare wake-up sequence but the second nightmare is actually supposed to be a future premonition that yeah. he's somehow having and then when he wakes up the flash is traveling back through time to tell him very non-specific news yeah <laughs> you were right not to trust him <laughs> great I'll come back flash. Too soon. <laughs> and one last thing on around that the whole sequence where Superman's like out in on the mountains on the ice and he's talking to his dad. Now two things could happen there, like in my mind that happened there. Either this is a story his dad told him and he's just purposing repurposing this to his specific situation, or he's making that all up and he's justifying the fact that so many people have died because of him that just because he loves Lois, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's the other thing. That's the Superman story. You know I mentioned the Batman story? The um, This is how he stops killing. The Superman story needs to be, you're obsessed with Lois Lane. Let her go. Yeah. Well, Lois is dead in the next one, right? Yeah. yeah. May as well be. I, I mean, well, I the, the, there's the brief gap where Superman's asleep, so who's going to save her from her and never put... You took her away from me. That was Batman, not double Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because, I mean, it's... He has the the nightmare about the dark side type future where Superman is mad about someone female dying. Yeah. So many people were confused about that. Yeah. Super Nazis. And then then Batman wakes up and the Flash is yelling at him. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Cyborg first time. That's so vague as to what what it actually was. Because they, like, 
Yeah, carry on. Sorry. Well, no, it, it's 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 bizarre. Well, and also we, you know, I don't think enough people know what Ezra Miller looks like. Yeah, yeah. So you know, hey, who is this? And he doesn't look enough like the Flash for it to yeah. matter. He had like but, a weird Iron Man armor suit on. Yeah, I hope that's like so we can time travel or something. But I would not put it past the makers of this movie to decide. No, you know, the Flash looks dumb in pajamas. We really need him to wear armor because <sighs> that's what someone who moves fast would need. Uh, but <laughs> the, the Justice League are just going to look like eight Iron Man, yeah, and one Iron Maiden, and and you know Cal Drogo, visibly holding his breath underwater. Good. God, I mean, nobody. He you, looked so you did uncomfortable. Twenty-one takes, and that was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit. I was quite surprised how much time they gave to the whole cy- whole cyborg setup thing, but yeah. that's probably only because no one knows who he nobody is knows yet. who it is except for the fans. But again, that's a big deal. Like, is that coming up before Black Panther? I've, I've actually got my list. My list of this versus this. Uh, it's uh, cyborg is April third, twenty twenty, and Black Panther all oh, considerably earlier, February sixteenth, twenty eighteen. So yeah, Marvel are up on that. But I mean. Today we hear that the Flash movie is actually the Flash and Cyborg movie. Really? Oh. Supposedly. Oh. So, okay. Supposedly a lot of the DC movies are team-up movies. Uh-huh. So, that, so, so Cyborg is Cyborg and Aquaman? No, How's that going to work? The cyborg <laughs> we need to get rid of, near to a river. The Cyborg movie, for all we know, might be like the origin after we've already seen him be with the Flash. Yeah. Is, that, is Aquaman going to be like Nightboat? We keep doing this instance here, but basically, like he's only really useful to the to the league when they're near water. So if they're in space, he's useless. Well, he's also really strong because he lives at crush depths. But of that's course, yeah. you know, later. Uh, well, as long as we've got such a fantastic actor like the guy who played the rebooted Conan, then um, we'll, we'll be fine. Oh no, we aren't. We don't have uh, such a fantastic actor, so we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and Shazam! Oh. I I will be amazed if they make that movie. Yeah, yeah. How do you even do it? Because like, what so, what what age boy do you cast at that point who won't be back in another Shazam movie for five years? He's going to be a thirty year old man disillusioned by the events of the previous movie. Oh my god! Zack <laughs> <laughs> <Sex> Snyder. <laughs> Supposedly, they've been saying that the the Shazam movie will not be part of the DC Universe movies. Oh, that makes me happy. Because multiverse. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, now they're using that. Can it be Lego Shazam, please? We could do that. I, 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 I don't know how that movie works. Like, I would, I, I know how that movie works, but they can't make it. Yeah, <laughs> the you're 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 not allowed to advertise the name of your character is kind of a big deal. I know. <laughs> yeah, Mar- so, Marvel will have a movie called Captain Marvel in theaters by then. Oh yeah, no, April fifth, Shazam. Apparently, if that happens at all, March eighth, Captain Marvel versus Captain Marvel. Jesus Christ, what a mess! Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna blink on that. I mean, the especially with the only person that they've kind of have saying yes to it is The Rock saying that he'll be Black Adam. Yeah, and they Rock way early. They cast Black Adam years before they haven't even cast the Shazam yet. I feel like they just kind of cast like, listen, Rock, you will eventually be in one of our Superman superhero movies. Oh my God, I've just worked out who Shazam is. If if The Rock is Black Adam, John Cena. Perfect casting. Done. 
and done. Want that? Yeah, immediately. So if you, you get a little kid, like that kid who was in Real Steel, like a little, you know, not precocious, but like he feels like a real kid. He was also young Thor. Obviously now he's going to be way too old, but someone like that, someone who yeah. like um, is inspired by the then inspiring Superman. And um, have you ever seen that uh, Shazam animated short? Just um, do that. Which one? It's it's, yeah, just, it's called Superman Shazam. It's, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, little Billy Batson, uh, inspired by Superman, is a big old punch up with Black Adam, and you just you just build the film around that. Yeah. Um, I would okay. absolutely believe that John Cena is actually a ten year old boy who says a magic word. <laughs> <laughs> straight away. <laughs> And I'm yeah. a fan. I'm not, you know, like I'm not shitting on Cena. I'm gonna go right from here to watch WrestleMania. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, looking at uh, 2018, The Avengers: Infinity War Part One, the biggest movie of all time, is is on May 4th. May 23rd, just a few short weeks afterwards, is DC's only offering for that year. The f- oh, hang on, no, for, for that se- that season because Aquaman comes afterwards in July. The Flash, The Flash versus Avengers: Infinity War. Although you now say it's going to have Cyborg as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With with the Flash probably still on TV in another yeah. form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Getting God. a solid following, so there's plenty of people going. This ain't my Flash. Poor, I mean, poor Ezra Miller. As well, he yeah. has got a lot to follow on, and you know he's a talented young actor by all accounts. So much of this wouldn't matter if we were talking about Batman v Superman being like a critically hailed, you know, runaway mega hit that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. Like all of this would be like, oh hey, well you know what, the multiverse is going to work. Sure, there's room for two flashes because everyone loves this stuff. Everyone came out of that. I don't know one person. <laughs> who I have seen online in my personal life talking about this movie. I haven't seen any chatter on like Twitter, anything else of people coming out of this movie going, guys, holy shit, Aquaman. (laughs) I totally saw Aquaman and he destroyed a camera. (laughs) Did you see that? (laughs) And you see Flash, he stopped a a robber. Incredible. He moved really fast. You could see it. It was on grainy CCTV, but you could see it. Oh, for God's sake. And Cyborg is a person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's a Good. guy who exists. Good. One last thing. Yeah. They fucking killed off Mercy. Did, they, did she die? Yeah, she was in the oh. courtroom. Oh, God, she was. Yeah. yeah. They fucking killed Mercy. Maybe he can remake her with a robot body. That that was um, uh, Mariko Yoshida from uh, the Wolverine, the same mm. actress. Yeah. Oh. Okay. This this feels. I'm getting deja vu here, Bob, because this feels like Amazing Spider-Man Two. This feels like uh, okay. We're gonna throw all of our money into advertising the living shit out of this, even though it's been tweaked and twisted and changed from what it was originally gonna be, and now deformed because we got all of these hopes for a Sinister Six movie and uh, a Venom movie and an Aunt May movie. I shit you not, people. And. But but we've already got Wonder Woman coming out. We, that that's the problem. That's the difference. This is not a sort of like you know testing the water thing. We've got Suicide Squad. We got Wonder Woman. It's going to be real interesting to see what they do with this. And I, I hope that this really bad reception, in fact, gives them the impetus to go. 
let's kind of go back to the drawing board with the whole Justice League here thing. Figure this one out. Let's not focus group this. Let's actually get in someone who knows what the hell they're doing. And maybe get, you know, just like talk to the DC creative team. Talk to the guys who are doing DC. Is it Rebirth now? Like They're going back to basics with their new 52, bringing it back to what it was. And from, you know, from the people I've spoken to, some, some good things are happening there. So... Uh, that would be my suggestion. It, it, pig-headedly pushing forwards with this one seems like a really, really freaking bad idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Delay, delay the Justice League movie. That yeah. that would be my thing. Just, just. There's like, no shame in saying, "Look, there's no shame in learning from your mistakes." Yeah, like you don't have to say that it's a mistake. You know, you don't even have to move Zack Snyder out yet. <laughs> you, you just say, "Hey." You know, Justice League we think needs a little more work. Um, we've got we want to go in a different direction. Hey, you know, maybe we we we've decided we would like uh, the people from the TV shows to be in the movie anyway. Could be a reason to delay. Yeah, mm-hmm. could bring in the multiverse somehow. It could happen. Yeah. <sighs> um, and thank you guys so so much for bearing with me on this. It's uh, it's it's quite a tough film to to talk about and. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I've been holding it in since I first watched it. Because <laughs> nobody around me has. We've ended up talking about it more than almost any other movie, aside from, say, maybe that brilliant movie Star Wars that came out last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which we talked about for like four hours. Okay. Okay. I would put it to you guys that they were doomed from the start with this being a death match. Uh, there's, uh, if anyone's seen the, uh, the Superman uh, animated series, three parter, world's finest, there's a really great. Um, a sort of Batman Superman first meeting there and uh, it, it's not brilliant it, it, it's, it, it feels like an animated show rather than a movie um, but there's just, there's just great little moments one of them that really stuck out was um, when they first meet Clark immediately looks under Batman's cowl using his x-ray vision and, and uh, Conroy goes you peaked and then they have a sort of a tense discussion and Batman sort of like prods soups in the chest and then they go their separate ways. And then Clark gets back to his apartment and he's taken off his super suit. And then he notices a little bat tracker attached to his cloak. And he looks out the window and it sort of tracks back and tracks back and tracks back. And then you've got Batman several blocks away on top of a skyscraper looking at him with binoculars and then just gives him a wave. I peek too. And it's just this great little moment of like they're both awesome at that point. Um, and it's, there's a really, it's the same way as they wrote the Ghostbusters, sound, uh, the, the Ghostbusters script. Every time they had a great line, they gave it to their friend. In this, if they'd spent the whole time making Batman and Superman both look awesome, but giving them a really good reason to go at each other, but in a kind of, I'm going to take you down. Nuh-uh, if I'm going to take you down first, but not in a, I'm going to kill you. There's no way that wouldn't have been more appreciated than what we actually got. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, just it doesn't have to be fun. It doesn't have to be jokey joke making necessarily. They don't have to copy Marvel. Why not just have two guys who are extremely dedicated but on opposite sides and their pursuit and evasion of each other using heat as your model? You could even have that really great moment where before they actually go at each other, there's a, a moment of clarity between them where they actually meet on non-combative grounds and for the first time talk to each other and kind of feel each other out. Just, you know, with a quiet, unspoken, you and I are about to clash, but I kind of want to know the person before this escalates. You know, that, that will be even, even more significant than the heat flavor of the Dark Knight. 
And with that, you also get them to directly clash ideologies from the heart, not just what Lex Luthor is trying to manipulate them both into thinking. You get to really see the meat of who they are and how they differ on things. Where their, where their bright line lies. But no, instead it's Batman deciding that there is no chance of any negotiation. He absolutely must kill Superman. And Superman himself doesn't seem particularly interested in making clear what he wants for the world. He never speaks out, really. He just seems to be pained and annoyed and bored of humanity already. Which is really boring, and that's why it's not very successful. By the way, all of this storytelling stuff that I come up with every time I'm really frustrated with a movie and which way it didn't go, uh, it doesn't go to waste. You know, when I voice it on the podcast, I bank this stuff and I use it in New Century. It's allowed me to tell some really good stories, so uh, if you like the kind of stuff I'm talking about, listen to New Century. It's really good. So yeah, I think ultimately, um, a friend of mine, Matt Wetter, said that you know, watching this film was like he, he wanted his two favorite flavors of ice cream, but then they heat all of these other flavors on top of them and then sprinkles hundreds and thousands and loads of different syrups, and he can't taste the two flavors anymore because there's so much crap on top of them. And that's actually a really good summation of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so... Well done, Matt Wedder. You did in one tweet what we took three hours to not quite say. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Now, if this is all raucous music to your ears and you want a really unusual psychological look at The Dark Knight, I recommend listening to my original audio drama, Batman Breakdown. I produced it in 2012, just before The Dark Knight Rises came out in the cinema, and it's set in the old DC universe, just after Under the Red Hood, but before the New 52. It's one hour long, and in basic terms, Alfred is killed suddenly and unexpectedly, and Bruce suffers a mental collapse. Then, after privately seeking a therapist as Batman, he realizes he just can't do it anymore, because that's what would actually happen if Batman saw a therapist. So what's to be done? How does he leave the Bat legacy? And what does the Joker feel about that? It is a painstakingly researched Elseworld story that a lot of fans have found deeply satisfying. Although it gets like one-tenth the viewing figures on YouTube of my Killing Joke adaptation. At this stage, I could play you a clip of Batman Breakdown, but I'm actually going to play the full trailer for you at the very, very end. And speaking of uh, painstakingly researched Elseworld story, Bob, you appeared in New Century uh, in uh, Arlington episode, I want to say 15? New Century is my ongoing audio drama series set at the end of an alternate 19th century. It deals with major sci-fi concepts, but with a focus on character development and dialogue. It's all woven together in this big, sweeping Marvel Cinematic Universe-style tapestry. So, Arlington, which Bob cameoed in, is book four in this series. And you can start with any of the books. If you want political intrigue, go for Arlington. If you want adventure, go for Tiger's Eye. If you want mystery, go for Secret Rooms. As class finished and the kids filed out, I was left with him as he put away his things and organized a stack of test-answer sheets for marking. So there's got to be some reason why I've been put forward for this, because I surely didn't ask for it. One of your students is Senator Lieberman's son, correct? Little Stanley put in a good word for me. Senator Lieberman seems to think you're a responsible fellow, good at putting things together, a fine speaker. 
You're sitting in an underfunded clubhouse with blackboards and my name on the sign outside. That's about the extent of it. What were you before you came to D.C.? I ran another school back in Boston. Before that, I served on the Mayor Lincoln. That's Fred, not Abraham. Before that, I worked at the Natural History section at a Boston museum. Before that, I attended the University of New Hampshire where I studied law, during which time I was expelled for punching the dean. Did a little time in jail after that one, went through a bad patch, got mixed up in some petty crime. Not proud of it, but you should probably know all this before you ask me to do anything important for you, because it's gonna come out anyway. May as well save everybody the trouble. What did the dean do? It doesn't matter. I could say anything to make you think better or worse of me at this point. I wish I could say I was standing up for the little guy, but the truth is, I was 18, fired up, and if I could go back now and slap the taste out of my mouth to prevent that moment from happening, yeah, I would. But by the time you ended up here, you were good and respectable. Well, I, I don't know about respectable. A little less stupid, maybe. So, Bob and Jerome and Sharon as well, uh, if you would like to plug whatever you're doing right now, go for it. Uh, Bob first. Uh, I'm on uh, doing news and uh, features at uh, Screen Rant, and uh, I have my, uh, my regular reviews going up on my YouTube channel under Movie Bob, my uh, show Really That Good, which will be uh, tackling the original Christopher Reeve Superman as soon as I can get that written, and... Uh, you know, many other things happening. Check me out on the uh, web and uh, follow me on Twitter at, at the underscore movie Bob. I cannot wait for that really that good on Superman. I love, of all of the things you do, which are loads and loads that I love, I really love really that good. It's Thank really you. brilliant. Hmm. Great stuff. Uh, Jerome, go for it. Uh, you can find me over at Game Burst, um, where we do a weekly news show on the Sunday and a roundtable replay or quiz on the Thursday. Um, we've got a played of Rise of the Tomb Raider, so be sure to tune in to hear our thoughts on that. Will do. I, I actually haven't played Rise of the Tomb Raider yet. Okay, I'll play it, then listen to your show. Thank you for giving me a good reason. Um, and Sharon, well, at long last, your show is doing something that I really, really love. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I haven't had that one confirmed yet, so I probably oh God, shouldn't right. mention that one. Um, but in addition to School of Movies and New Century, you can also find me on the Eclectic podcast um, on the Geek Planet Online website. Our most recent iTunes available podcast is on the anime series Death Note. And the Patreon, you can also get the episode that we did on Fight Club. Okay, right. Um, and that is it for us on Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Can we stop talking about it now, <laughs> please? <laughs> and I yes. guess we'll, Shannon and I will be back with uh, Suicide Squad, since we must. Um, I, Bob, from the sounds of it, is looking forward to it a hell of a lot more than I am. But um, I mean, it, it could be good. I could love it, you know. It's separate enough that I'll probably watch yeah. it. And uh, we will be doing a, uh, a re-edited version of that podcast with new jokes added in at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> but don't. Uh, if we had the uh, budget of one of others. Okay, right. And uh, we will be back next week with... Oh, actually, no. We've got a really, really great episode coming up on The Hero's Journey, which we'll be putting out just before Civil War. Definitely listen to that one because we really worked our bollocks off to research that one. 
And uh, good. It's, it's good. Thank you. Um, okay, right. Thank you very, very much, Bob and Jerome and Sharon. And to play us out, rather than music from Batman v Superman, this is the first four minutes of Batman Breakdown, which is available in its entirety on this very podcast feed and on YouTube. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's out. out. How can I help you, sir? Hello, my name is Alfred Pennyworth, and I'd like to make a withdrawal. Beat. Everybody down on the ground. Bruce, can you hear me? You, lady, on the ground now. Wait, hold on a moment. Look at her leg. She needs help. Miss, may I? Thank you. Hey, buddy, did you not hear what I said? Ground, now. Arms by your sides. Do not reach for that. You, fill this bag up. You got 30 seconds. Bruce, I can't even begin to imagine how you feel right now. I said stop. No, no. You pressed the alarm, didn't you? Didn't you? I was watching the lady the whole time, and she did as you told her. All right, now listen. The police are outside, and things have changed. What? Shut the hell up, old man! You can't get away clean. If that was ever possible, it's gone now. But you can do one or two things to make sure everybody walks out of here alive. They're going to come in here within the next minute, and at that point, you need to be on your knees with your weapon on the floor. Who are you? I'm just a man who's seen too many situations like this go wrong. You can make it go right. But you've got to talk to us. Why are you out here tonight? Yeah, no way. No way I'm out of here. Open up the back. I'm taking her with me. No, you're not. Look, if you do what I'm suggesting, nobody gets hurt. You made a mistake. Don't make a far worse one. You gotta promise everything will be okay. Make it right. I will. Give me the gun. Come on, son. Police! On the ground! He meant the world to you. Yes. Oh, God, sir. I'm so sorry. Lie still. You've been shot. You were braver than any man I've ever met. I'm I'm due back at Wayne Manor. Master Bruce will be waking up. Get this man some medical attention. What's your name, young lady? Estelle. Estelle. Can you tell him? We're burying him on Friday. Let Robin do the patrol tonight. Let Huntress. I can get Nightwing. For for God's sake, I can get Dick to do this. Just go home. I'm fine. No, you're not. I don't like this. Morty should have been back by now. Will you relax? We got this sewn up. Typical. 
You goddamn bottom-feeding son of a bitch! <laughs> I, I give up already! Always pulling out your guns like you think they're gonna save you. Tim, get over there. I can hear. I'll be there in 30 seconds. You think that just because you've got the power to take something, oh. that you have the right to? Bruce, for God's sake, listen to me. He's down. Cut him and leave. And when I take that power away, what do you learn? What do you learn? Nothing. Jesus Christ, I'm almost there. It's just the same cycle every night. Tim, I think he's got the gun. Batman? What if I change it? <laughs> what if I take the power away from you? For good. I'm here. Batman! Oh, thank you! Shut up! How dare you! Batman, look what you're doing. Look what you nearly did. Look at me. Look at me! I... can't. Oracle and I are worried sick. But we all are. You need to come home. I can't do this anymore.